Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 128, which are two films starring Jake Gyllenhaal. The first one from 2001, Donnie Darko, directed by Richard Kelly. And we decided to pair that with 2013 film, Enemy, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Donnie Darko is considered by a lot to be this cult classic, and it flopped big time, right, uh, uh, when it came out. Uh, same can be said about, of course, Blade Runner, but is Donnie Darko Blade Runner? Uh, we'll figure, you'll get, we'll get to that pretty quick when we get into the episode, but you should definitely listen to that. But it was definitely, if anything is good about Donnie Darko, it is mostly because of Jake Gyllenhaal, who stars in our second film, um, Blade, uh, Enemy, which of course, as I said, is, uh, Denis Villeneuve's, uh, film. Uh, from 2013, but what's interesting about that is a fantastic film, but it really, that film, which is not necessarily well known, got him to Sicario, which got him to Arrival, which got him to Blade Runner 2049, which got him to Dune. So his, his, the, the, him as a director, really kind of the, one of the big, big jumps was because of Enemy. So it was really cool to sort of see what he's done there. So really cool. Uh, very excited about that. But more specifically, the importance of this podcast is how important Jake Gyllenhaal is and how his acting is absolutely superb and possibly very, very underrated. So really, really should uh, look at the performances that, that, that he gives in, in both of these films and the role he has to play in that process. Anyway, a couple of things we need to, uh, you guys need to know about. Obviously, obviously, as you guys know, we record all, the pod, all these podcasts and we stream them. We just, we've been streaming them on Twitch, uh, for a while. So twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. Twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. But we're now actually doing, uh, YouTube live as well because we figured why not? We can actually do that. So, uh, if that is, uh, so if you want to follow us on YouTube and you don't want to open a Twitch account and all that stuff, which you totally get, uh, just follow us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash at martini giant youtube.com slash at martini giant. All you have to do is like and subscribe to us and then you'll get notifications when we go live on YouTube and you can watch us there. And uh, they usually happen on Saturdays uh, and usually at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time in the United States. Um, they are happening this Saturday. Uh, we are going to be doing a Halloween special. Uh, we decided to do... Believe it or not, Exorcist 1 and 3. Why did we skip 2? Well, we'll, you know, we have three hours to talk about that. But 1 and 3, Exorcist 1 and 3 are going to be the ones that we're going to be talking about. So make sure and follow us uh, on YouTube if you'd like to follow us on YouTube. Remember, again, that is youtube.com slash at Martini Giant. Uh, but for now, please enjoy episode number 128, which is Donnie Darko and Enemy. So, welcome to Martini Giant, everybody. <laughs> All right, let's talk about let's talk about uh, let's talk about this movie. Now, you did make uh, some good points, Eric. You thought the director uh, that this Lee, his he has not done much. He has not directed much. The director of Donnie Darko, yeah, right. No, well, he did a few films after this. None of them are very well received, and I'm not sure what he has done recently. I will look that up. Right, and he didn't do what did he do before Donnie Darko? Let's find out. Yeah, I'm looking this up as we speak. All right. Um, the director is Richard Kelly, and he, he is, let's see, 
Okay, so writer, no thank you. Director, no. There we go. Okay, so he has uh, the oh, this IMDb is absolutely the worst. Continues to be no matter what we do. All right, so uh, uh, sorry. I don't know why I go to IMDb because it's the worst. There we are. Let's try it again. Okay, so he did a short film in 95. Then he does a... Uh, then he does Donnie Darko. So or he does... A, actually, no. He does The Goodbye Place, uh, a short film. He does a movie called Visceral Matter, which is a terrible title, in 1997. Uh, no information. There's not even a thumbnail on that one. Then he does Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, doesn't hit when it's out, but becomes a cult classic. Becomes a cult classic, yeah. Then he does uh, Southland Tales. After it became a cult classic, they get him a bunch of money to do his own visionary science fiction piece with The Rock and Justin Timberlake and a varied cast. And it's a almost unwatchable mess. There's occasional good bits. Right. I would say, check it out. Yeah, you'll skim through it and there's some good things, but mainly it doesn't make any sense. Then he does a movie called The Box with Cameron Diaz, uh, which is basically a Twilight Zone episode about uh, someone shows up with a box. You press the button and someone on the earth will die, but you'll get ever, everything that you want. Twilight Zone. Um, then he doesn't do anything. So there we go. He has one upcoming film called Corpus Christi. Okay. It's a That's little that. town in Texas. Okay. Or it's the city, actually. But, okay. So Donnie Darko, when it came out, I would say is a very Gen X movie. I might, would it be a yeah, good one? Well, it's that right down the middle Gen X. Absolutely. Yeah. Very Gen X. Yeah. It's the American graffiti of Gen X. Is it? No, <laughs> no, it's not. I'm Please just don't saying. say that. It's, don't right, say it's that. right down. It, it checks off every Gen X box for sure. Right. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Right. Uh, it's got very nineties lighting. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Uh, and it's a lot of needle drops and it's already, what, 1999 it came out? No, 2001. 2001. And it's nostalgic for the 80s already. Yeah, it <laughs> takes place in 1985. 1988. 1988. 1988. Right. So like, it, it's funny that they're already nostalgic for the 80s in 2001. Yeah, the, the photography style, which I actually, I like seeing now because it's such a weird little time capsule. But it looks very much like prestige TV of the 90s. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, it is a, it's sort of like this very hot fill, very hot, harsh fill, like sunlight fill that is a little under, just a touch underexposed. Sure. And so everything looks kind of silvery. And it's uh, it's not a bad look. It's just like it was the look of TV, prestige TV in the 90s. And they carry it over into this. Right. So now you now, now it just looks sort of like... Uh, it looks very dated, but sort of interesting. To me. No, yeah. It looks like an ABC TV of the movie of the week. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. Like, and it has like, instead of like every now, everything now is printed sort of greenish. This is printed sort of violet. And so it's unusual to see these days in terms of the look, but it doesn't make it good. <laughs> no. It's just the way it looks. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and there's something about it that's a little, um, the best parts of this movie are Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, you can't undersell what a linchpin he is in making this movie come together. 
Because right. I think that when Eric was saying about like, it's basically a playlist maybe. And the movie, the it's so heavily dependent on them. Moon, that great talent like Echo and the Bunnymen are delivering. Sure. That if you don't have a great central character to hold those things together, like there's nothing else to watch. Like he's, he's so good and he finds such a great center for the character that that, I think, you know, you ask Eric, like, why does this movie work? I think that's why, because if you take him out, the music can't pull it together. It's your, like, it's good. And those moments work, but nothing centralizes the film. And that is because of Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal makes the movie work. Right. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yeah, I think that's really it. He's he's sort of like the, you know, he's like the Dustin Hoffman of the movie. The rest of the he's movie the is. He's the Vic Tabak of his generation. He's the Vic Tabak. Oh, I you miss like Vic. like that? Toothpick Vic. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's something else. Nihilus, what are you doing here? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here, guy with a mask on? Yeah. Vic, 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 for anyone who doesn't know who Vic Tabak is, he was sort of like Telly Savalas' dumb bitch. little brother. Get out of my room. <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know who Telly Savalas is, watch On Her Majesty's Secret Service. There. That's better. That still okay. doesn't help. <laughs> um, yeah. He was a character actor. He's good. Very He's prominent good. in the seventies. He was almost yeah. like a Telly Savalas, but with, you know, He's a blue collar Telly Savalas. He's a blue collar Telly Savalas. Yeah. And, um, that's what he was. Vic yeah. Tate. He's a good actor. He was a good actor. I he like was a good actor. Yeah. I have to tell you a story. My, my Lily was in a drama class. She's a TA for some of the drama classes in, in, uh, in, uh, in the Payback assistant in, uh, in the, TA? uh, drama at high school. And so there, uh, her drama teacher was showing Roxanne to some of the, the students. Oh, right. And she, and their number one comment was, who's Steve Martin? Yeah. Hey. Nice. Nice. <laughs> who's that guy? And, and she replied back like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that sad? It is. Yeah. But, My- you know, it's also like there's... There's a lot of young new actors that I have no idea who they are. No idea. Well, sure, that's true. I think that like <laughs> real like I, the real criticism here is I don't think this is a generational criticism. I would say that like realistically, nobody knows anything anymore. <laughs> well, no, I think people like you know. There's a lot of people who know who Mark Rober is or Mr. Beast is, right? And that's, sure. that's but we know who that, that is too, right? But I, yes, but we're a little bit different, right? Yeah, and there's awesome. other there's other YouTube and TikTokers that you, I have no idea who are. Oh, huge. absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely true. But I mean, in terms of like uh, that, that's a that's a different zone of media, right? And sure. I think that like I think that like I think the media literacy on all fronts for all ages is a bit waning right and so like i i like i i uh i used to be able to expect people to you know follow at least some of my references but like telly savalas even slips by people our age a lot of people <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what i'm saying that's, that's what brought it up i was like we're swinging yeah. like oh you know he's like telly savalas like yeah, I mean, like it's okay. <laughs> it's okay if I'm talking to somebody and I have to explain who Norman Fell is. That's okay. I can live with that. Tell us all should be more present than that. But you still have to explain that one, unfortunately. Right. Norman Fell, yeah, absolutely. You do. But yeah, Tell us like, too. Tell us <laughs> is in a James Bond movie that I know that people have seen. 
Like, really? It, no, at least, I yeah, think no, that an t- Inner Majesty's Secret Service is yeah, probably on the TBS. Least seen. You have passively watched. Everyone on Earth has passively watched that movie. They just don't remember seeing it. Right. They just remember, then, like, I saw a photo of the guy. They go, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. about it. But it's not his name. Is does not is not is not like you know Brad Pitt doesn't. That's come true. Up. Yeah, but Brad okay. Pitt's not famous among you know uh, uh, new media people anyway. Brad, Brad Pitt right. is. Uh, is is a creepy old man. No, he's not okay. creepy, but he's some crumbly-faced old man. But back to Donnie Darko and related to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal was not famous before this movie. No, this is it. This is the one. This is the launcher, which is yeah. so interesting. Yeah. Because his career launched, launched from this movie. Mm-hmm. And this movie, I still think, is not necessarily as terrible as Eric. Oh, I still okay. like it. I still, I like, still it like it. I just think Eric is right. Like I, I happen to fall that's on the side true. of Actually, That's it. a great way of putting it. It's like I agree right. with everything that Eric said, but right. I still like the, the critique movie. is spot on. Without a doubt, I just happen to enjoy it. Yeah, that's yeah. the only difference. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the uh, like it's a, <laughs> <laughs> like the Eric is like I can't believe it. Yeah, it's so like this, saying this cake tastes like shit, but I still like it. Is that what like you're the, saying? Like the look of the frosting <laughs> is actually pretty charming. Look, yeah. I'm not trying to be snobby. I I really am not. I just it's like I just. I don't want people just to intellectualize this thing like it's great. Oh no, I like I'm not it, intellectualizing it's, it. No, I like because it, it's, it's real it, shit. I mean, yeah, it like just the, doesn't I, work. I'm saying like there's nothing and intellectual it's, and about it's totally the fact that being there. The, you know? Yeah, like the like the vi- the vibe is not intellectual. The vibe is what works on me, and that you're right is most the vibe is contrived though. It's all yeah, ripped absolutely. Off I know from somebody we else. Agree. We completely it's agree. Like, like saying, the, it's like I the movie like... is saying, "Here's a bunch of movie. Here's a bunch of music that you like, Dan." And I go, "Oh yeah, I like listening to this, and I like Jake Gyllenhaal." The movie doesn't hold together very well, but I enjoyed Jake Gyllenhaal and that music, so I enjoyed the movie. Like there he goes. Like there's nothing intellectual about that. It's just that well, I like those two things a lot. I okay, just to 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 to, to agree with Eric again. There mm-hmm. is something about this movie that's pretending to be super smart. That's yeah, right. I don't. Yeah, right. But I'm so not. It, I'm not it's offended a little bit of that. my. It's a little bit of my uh, Chris Nolan problem. This you know? this triggers you more <laughs> than it triggers me. Like I, I there are plenty. Of, like every movie pretends to be smart. Everyone wants to think they're smart, but it's just like who cares if the movie is a good time? I don't care if people think they're smart. Yeah. I just think if the movie is a bad time and people think they're smart, that's annoying. Sure. And the movie is not the movie is not a bad time to me. It's certainly I'm mean, just like if you were to say, do I think that whoever wrote this movie, which I believe is the director, like he was he was like, I have such a great idea about time travel, you won't believe it. I'd be like, well, it's not it's not like that great, <laughs> you know? It's it's not it's not that incredible. Uh, but the tone is good, and I like the I like the bits you assembled. It's a good, solid, yeah. interesting movie, and it does have a it has a flavor because of those elements that's unique enough for me to say I really enjoyed this. I would prefer that this movie be made by someone with more actual filmmaking skill, like in writing skill. Like if we had like we brought it up on our first try at this, like if Paul Thomas Anderson were to make this same type of movie, then it yes. would be. An extraordinary film. That's right. Right. This is not that. This right. is a ske- this is a this is a napkin sketch version of that, or a napkin sketch version of. Twin or if Villeneuve were to make a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal, it would be an amazing yes. film. 
which is an expert instance in amazing film. But we will get to that one in a second. So let's talk about this movie. Sorry, to, we're going to have to slug through it. And we're going to, I'm not going to go through it too long because I know it's painful for Eric to talk about. <laughs> it's not but painful. we have to, we have to applaud him for going the extra mile. No, like, man. That's a lot. I am, I am, I owe him. I owe him. Watch, him. Watching yeah. a movie you hate twice, that's I a hard ride. I owe him <laughs> a bottle of it's just, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it also goes back. I, in the early 2000s, you know, I was at working, uh, I was working, I worked for a director designing titles for his first film. Right. And I remember him coming over to the apartment to look at the stuff I was doing for his first film. And he just, his friend was this director and he's like, oh, it's genius. And they're all having dinner with David Lynch together. I'm like, whoop, oh, great, great, great. And he's like, he's a genius. He's the next David Lynch. And I was like, oh, I got to go see it. I was like, I don't see it. And right. all these years later, people still kind of say that. I'm like, you know what? It's not. And it's, yeah. it's no, just, it's, it's certainly I've no really gone through Lynch. it so many times now. Yeah. And I think I nailed it on the creation process, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, I think you're 100% and, spot on. he didn't put a lot of thought to cohesive art direction mm-hmm. and character building. Because there's a, you know, that woman who knows Mary, she's like against, you know, Graham Greene because it's, you know, um, the book is is slanderous or it's pornography, but then she's charged of this youth dance group, and they're totally underage kids, like dancing, like you know, like none of these things stitched together that, particularly well. High end hookers from that, Hollywood that, Hills. That holds up for me because that's act, the irony of especially the conservatives of that, is that they do that shit but all. But that's the time. not full complete character because there's no way a woman who who protests Graham Greene books is going to be in charge of a dance group and be so obsessed about it that, you know, like, honestly, well, it's just it's two like, different types of characters. If, yeah, but the thing, here's the, here's the real issue. I think you're exactly right. And here's an example of why, right? Is that the, the book, like, I love Graham Greene, great writer, right? I happen, I don't happen to have read this particular short story, but he's a great writer. But I don't know exactly, like, the, the connection between, like, there's a connection between that story and what Jake Gyllenhaal is doing. It's loose, but it's there. It doesn't educate the movie very, the audience about the story enough for that connection to be truly meaningful because we only get a sketch of what's in the book, right? Uh, and I think that's a lost opportunity. And if you're going to get the woman mad, right, it should be something like Lolita, right? And yeah. then it's, then it becomes ironic that she is following a massive underground sex offender, uh, and a child pornographer. And in, that she is in charge of putting sparkle motion together. And she's obviously has all these like messed up repressed feelings and she's making the kids dance in this way. Like then it's, it's sort not of a fleshed out character. But that's if, my but, point, even if you connect all of that like that by through a book like Lolita, what the fuck does that have to do with the story? What does that have to do with it? It doesn't have anything to do with time <laughs> travel for sure. Right. Like okay. or just the meaning of the larger meaning of the film. So I agree. Sure. Sure, but let's I, let's let, let, let's let's go through the story as as okay. as smoothly as possible, if that's okay. Uh, and we're going to go through not the director's cut, but the original version. If anyone wants shorter. to go through the director's cut, you do it on your own time and don't tell us about it. Right, <laughs> right, and, and I don't think you know it, it. It didn't save Eric's perception of the movie, which is we established <laughs> right, at the beginning. Funny. Yeah, uh, but it but it is still the if you are going to watch this film, do not watch a director's cut. Just do yourself a favor. And the same thing goes for the abyss. Do not watch the director's Seconded. cut. Second, 
You and I are in the minority on that, but I, I'm really? a vocal, vocal minority. I think people are idiots if they think the director is can. a mess. It's a it's a corny mess. I love I love James Cameron films. I'm a big James Cameron fan. I like the Abyss a lot. The like the core the of the Abyss is horrible. Is, the core of the Abyss is fantastic. That script needed another draft, not more clunky stuff. Right. And it, it, he just dumps the clunky on there and the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah, he over-explains it. Yeah. But it, it does have two of my favorite performances in <laughs> It's in James Pop Cameron Dalton. mansplaining. <laughs> it's just fucking... And it's cor- it's just corny. It's just corny it's as hell. It doesn't fly. But, like, however, do watch it because Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and Ed Harris are out of this world in that movie. Very good. 100%. You see... You see... You want to see this? See this? My, my wedding ring? See yeah, that? Yeah. That's it. Yes. Yes. I get the I guy already. This, I, I wanted a ring to look like this because I knew it could save my life in a submarine. Just like that's right. The, exactly. The <laughs> that's right. Dunk. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> I hate to say it. It's weird that that's yeah. what I wanted. Yeah. The, okay. the, the original cut of uh, both of these movies, specifically Donnie Darko is the only thing that works, even though both of them are still flawed in yes. their original cuts. Yes. All but right. Director's cuts. Woof. So it opens up, uh, if those of you who live in Los Angeles, who have been in Los Angeles, it basically looks like uh, a small uh, uh, side street in the uh, Malibu Hills or Santa Monica Mountains around Mm -hmm. Malibu, uh, looking down, and you see a bicycle on the ground of the uh, middle of the road, and a young boy laying down in the middle of the road. He is not dead, but asleep. Yes. Yes. Right, and this is a wonderful opening. This is a good. We talked about it last time. This is a good, beautifully executed, strangely arresting tone that he establishes. Right, and the boy wakes up, looks out into the hills, not surprised. He has a fantastic expression of just smiling. Yep, this is Jake and Hall, by the way. Yep, and he's still in his pajamas. And then he starts to bike down to where he lives. Right. And right? Uh, to emphasize what Eric was saying, the reason why that that opening is so good is because it has Echo and the Bunnymen playing. Mm-hmm. And it has Jake Gyllenhaal as the first time you've ever seen this actor. And he absolutely kills it in the opening action. Right. Yeah. And so you're just in. You're just completely in. Yes, Exactly. Um, so, so that's, that's basically what's happening. Um, then, um, he, uh, let's see, um, he goes through the town at which point you start to have the montage with the song. There's a lot of montages that are going on in this. There's a lot of inspiration from 19, from nineties MTV. Let's just put it that way. Right. Sure. During the height of the music video world. Right. Very much uh, so. Uh, and uh, you know what is nostalgic for? Do you remember MTV's 120 Minutes? Yes. That's what it feels like to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. That's right. You remember that when they would play, like, you know, the, the latest, you know, and these were all alternative band things, right? So uh, Girlfriend in a Coma would, like, premiere there, like that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so, uh, that's basically what was, uh, you know, kind of, uh, going on. So as he's going through the town, it's little slow motions and little things, but you're basically having a montage that is 
exposing you to the neighborhood that he lives in. This is not supposed to be Los Angeles, although it very much looks like Los Angeles and it looks like uh, Echo Park. Mm. Uh, yes. Uh, 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 <laughs> sorry. And so basically that's what's what's happening here. We're introduced to their house. We're, we're, it's around the Hancock Park, right, Eric? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we were introduced to his uh, father in the lawn and then to his older sister, who is played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. And uh, he goes into the house. I, I, I didn't rewatch it. So Eric watched it more recently. And what happens uh, after that when he goes in the house? Oh, we lost Dan. We did lose Dan. We lost Dan. We so, lost but go Dan. ahead, Eric. Yeah, I'll, I'll fix Dan, but tell me what else happens. When he walks into the house, yeah. when he comes back, there is an engine of a plane that is landed in on top of the car. No. That's afterwards. Oh, you're right. That's uh, what happens is, is he comes back, the sister's on the lawn, they show the family dynamic uh, right. scene, and then he's at dinner with his family his father's eating pizza and his sister says i like dukakis i'm going to vote for dukakis right and both the parents react and say well it kind of shows their political leanings and spectrum this and is at the dinner table and they're having their the little political table. fights yeah that's right and she's a senior and yeah, so obviously she says um, she's going to vote so it was her first vote so she's obviously just a senior in high school right that's right yeah yeah, yeah. okay and then <laughs> so then uh they established that then the the boy goes up. Dan just texted. He said, uh, Chris, I hate you. I don't want to be on air anymore with you. This oh, is the only way for me okay. to say that. Yeah, that's what he said. Okay. Yeah. He just texted that. So, well, that's just right. so this is our last martini show. giant. Or maybe it's we just have martini it just giant. you and me and it'll be a different kind of. It's called uh, martini. martini G. <laughs> Martini Baldi? <laughs> Martini G, and then we lost the I and T. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what's going on. So then he is upstairs. He, you, We know that he takes medication. Yep. And then through the medication, um, he, his mother comes in. He's reading. He's taking medication because he's got mental problems or mental issues. Anxiety, right? probably. Anxiety. Well, don't they say that he's actually, don't they reveal that he's got bipolar? Uh, Bipolar, he's bipolar yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But a bipolar more is different. I had a roommate in high school who became uh, bipolar. And it's it's a lot more highs and lows than what he's uh, showing. Okay. Uh, right. Don't worry, Mike Monkey Man. We are fixing. You, Chris. Yeah, okay. Fuck you, Chris. Go to oh I can't read that. Nah, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, it says my I, I am I am saying we're, I'm gonna next time I'm gonna completely fix the uh, the system. I'll record it from our other machine, but uh, I think the recording itself is definitely salvageable, so I'm gonna be okay with that. Like uh, Mikey Man, thanks for the feedback. I appreciate all your feedback, but hopefully Dan will be back at some point. All right, so to caucus, and then we go to the school, right? And then there was right. a, they go to the school, and we have this long montage at the school that they do in slow motion uh, to reveal things that are that are going, but so you're introduced to the people at the school. Several people are introduced to you at the school, characters at school. That's he also right. has um, characters uh, that make no sense to, to be honest with you. It's like 
I still can't get over a school like that and the kids pulling out a switchblade like it's grease. You know, it's <laughs> it's just like what? Who who who? Right? He's like it's grease Hold and on a he's second. got a, yeah. a switchblade and he's going to take you down. You know? And did you hear about Hugh, uh, Hugo and Kim? You know, and and they have a fight. They get in their cars and they speed off and they meet at like this whole river section and they race their cars and who wins the girl and then go to the sock hop. <laughs> oh, sorry. Different movie. Different um, movie. Yeah. It's Dan's back. I'm back. Uh, Hello. Sorry about that. Don't know what happened. So yes, it's going to be hard to get through this because I actually like that montage. Uh, even though I agree with everything you're saying, it's so funny that I agree with everything. Well, I think the core of it is like, there's a lot there to like, but it is disconnected in a way that for, and to correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, like keeps it from working for you at all. Like, right. Well, we're talking specifically about that you. montage in the school. Like yeah, when yeah. they're walking through the, the tears for fears montage, the tears for fears montage. Right. right. And so it, the, so the, the, the bullies are just so one-sided bullies that they're not even believable as bullies. Yeah. Eric is talking to like, it's out of a, a, a like the wild one. And right. then, uh, and then, uh, and then everything else is supposed to be nine. And like, there's like, there could be a way for that to be done on purpose. Like you're trying to say something with that, but I don't, I don't think that's what he's doing. Right. <laughs> I just don't think he's that, like he's not having, it's just not that coherent a statement of a film, which is really right. evident towards the end. Right. So, uh, we're also introduced to several of the faculty members. So we're introduced to the principal who's trying to be neutral, shall we say. We're introduced to the, the cool teacher who's played by, uh, Drew Barrymore, who was also an executive right. producer on this. And then yep. the guy from, uh, from, uh, ER. Noah right? Wiley. Yeah. And then we're introduced to the not cool teacher who's like, hyper strict, super conservative teacher lady who is obsessed with, um, what's his name? Uh, who's the, who's the Patrick who's Swayze, the, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, yes. Patrick Swayze, who plays a, uh, I wouldn't call him a preacher, uh, more of like self one help of guru, self help guru. Right. Yeah, one of those so. guys who has the seminars at the, uh, Ramada in by the airport, like right. one of the, yeah, the power right. of positive so and so. The power, and she's like and, and totally uh, in awe of him, of right. this character, and thinks that he's going to, you know, help everyone. She also is uh, doing uh, uh, helping young the young girls. One of them is Jake Gyllenhaal's sister, youngest sister, who is uh, uh, for a dance. Uh, rehearsal for the talent show or something like that, right? Right. I got that right? Yeah. Okay. Then, once we have now established these cast of characters, uh, there is one more character to introduce. No, that's not one more character. That's right. We don't meet this girl until after the plane crash, right? Right. By the way, there is a plane crash that happens in here, but uh, let's, I'll, I'll get that in a second. The, one of the reasons this movie did not succeed so well is that the plane, there's a plane crash in this movie and that happened r right like 9-11 happened. <laughs> yeah. And people didn't want to see a movie with plane crashes in it. Too, too soon. It was too soon. <laughs> a touch Way. too soon. Yes. Right. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. So, uh, so yeah, that was one of the things that was, uh, was going right. on here. 
So it was uh, not, it were, I think we're correct in saying this was not a hit when it came out, uh, but it picked up speed on home video. It did. Yeah. Which I also think is interesting because I think, you know, there's a lot of films that just didn't make money, but they're hugely successful films in other ways. But then people never see them as successful films, right? Right. Yeah. Right. right. And so that's the same thing, like Blade Runner. Right. Right. Yeah. Never seen as a successful film. No one tried to make a, a sequel to Blade Runner until decades, decades later. Which was right? also a giant bomb. <laughs> Which That's was so crazy, and it was really both good. were bombs, I and they're both great. I can't tell you how much I love Blade Runner. It's just oh, such a Which those two one? movies, both, both, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, anything miraculous. Blade Runner I love. Yeah, yeah. yeah. those things are perfect, and, yeah. and and it's really wild because like they they really invested in this idea that oh the fandom for Blade Runner is so strong now we can just spend a whole pile of money on it. And then they lost 80 million bucks. <laughs> yeah. They even yeah. got freaking, uh, uh, what's, uh, Harrison the, Ford. They got everybody in this. No, thing. what the DP is, um, what's his oh, name? Oh, it's Deacons. Yeah. Deacons. It's, what, it's one of the most beautiful movies made in the past, like 25 years. Yeah. It's yeah. stunning, stunning movie. I was Villeneuve, flying, I was flying, I forgot from where to where, but I was, I was sat on a plane. I was like, ah, oh, I literally, no, I've seen it on big screen, obviously, but mm -hmm. I, I, I watched on the plane and it was like three hour movie. And then what do I do after? What movie do I watch right after that? I started it all over again. <laughs> yeah, that's right, baby. Yeah, <laughs> watched it twice in a row. Masterpiece. Did yeah, we like lose this. Dan again? No, nope, we did still not. Still here? Right? I'm still here. Yes, Eric. you are. Eric, can you see me? I can see you, lad. Okay, there we go. Can you okay, hear him? You can't yeah. hear him. Yeah. yeah. There we are. Uh, okay, so uh, plane crash. So he so so he again he goes on a sleepwalking journey, right? <laughs> and he's out in the middle of a golf field when he wakes up. And then when he comes back home, he finds out that a, an engine from an airplane has crashed into his house. And his parents are like, oh, there he is. That's the part that was really like, wait a minute to me. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of parts to it. But I mean, that one was like. Total hiccup right there. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, hmm, what? Oh, there he is. Where are you been? Plane, like plane engine destroys like roof. How right. smashes through where his bed was. And, right. and everyone's just sort of standing around going like, oh, well, that's weird. And then he shows up. And they're like. Gosh, about time, huh? Yeah. And you're like, uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> expect slightly more panic than this. Right. Right, right, right. But anyway, that's basically what happens. And then he meets, uh, a new girl who's in school. Mm -hmm. right? Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone, who was, uh, some people may remember her as the young girl in contact who played the young version of Jodie Foster in contact. In one of the great, um, visual effects of all time. It's also one of the simplest visual effects. Simplest, most beautiful shots in visual effects history. Uh, and she is, uh, I love iconic. that shot. It's perfect. It's a perfect shot because you don't even notice that it happened until like a couple of seconds afterwards. You're like, did, wait, what? Did we, did we cover contact? I don't think we've done contact. We've not done contact yet. Yeah. I love but that. That shot is literally one of the most phenomenal shots. Phenomenal. Beautiful plan. Yes, I don't know so, what we're talking about. We all this. We're all agreeing on this, but people may not realize what we're talking about. We're right. talking about the shot when she, as a young girl, realizes her father's having a heart attack and she's running upstairs to get him pills. And it's a long shot where the camera follows her up the stairs, yep. goes upstairs. She turns around the corner and he keeps going with her as she's running. And as she's running at the last minute, she reaches towards the camera. And as she does that, her hand moves like this. And you realize and the you're entire, pulling out through the mirror of and you that she's that, opening. You realize that <laughs> you're seeing that from the you're not seeing from the thing. You're seeing that it's actually a a, 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 a messy cabinet. Yeah, 
And you're like, wait, she turned a corner and she turned into a reflection. Like we were pulling back (laughs) through the mirror house, coming out of the mirror, and then she opens the cabinet, the uh, medicine cabinet that we just passed. I haven't seen it since it came out. So it's a a wonderful movie. It's 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 actually a really good movie. I've seen it many times. And yeah. and Jodie Foster is incredible in it. it and her I performance is out of this world. Absolutely fantastic. And and so is uh, uh what's his name? McConaughey uh, is great. McConaughey is yep. really good in it. Yep. Uh and I don't yeah. know oh, what's like Matthew Robert's- McConaughey's in it? Yeah. yeah. I no, totally they're terrific. forgot. They're terrific. And and, and uh and uh, uh uh what's the name? Uh Scarrett. Tom Scarrett uh, is Tom a Scarrett. great yeah. bad guy. Yeah, James Woods is a great James bad guy. James Woods is a yeah. really good bad guy in it. Uh yeah. And uh oh. Angela Bassett, a bunch of great actors in that movie. Yes. Uh, and it's a it's a solid it's a solid film. I don't always like Robert Zemeckis films, but that's one of his better ones. I think that Robert Zemeckis is actually like his most interesting movies are the ones that either fail or are really flawed. Like I really think that like his best, most interesting film that he's made in years is not a particularly good movie, but it's called Flight with Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, there's so much of this that is weird and never done before. Just as a a, it's a weird movie. It's a weird feeling movie. And mm-hmm. I was just like, if only it worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, but he got really into the whole Polar Express thing oh, yeah. for a while, and that just kind of like yeah, yeah. derailed him. It derailed, derailed him. him. Yeah, remember he tried to do like Christmas Carol and all kinds of yep. crap like that, and it was just Polar Express. Polar Express would be a classic if it featured human-looking characters instead of horrifying nightmare villains. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the the pinnacle story for uh, the 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 uh, uncanny valley. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, engine Jenna falls Malone. on the house. Yes. Jenna Malone. Uh, engine falls on the house. He starts to meet this young girl. He's obviously uh, very, very, very smart, but also an outcast. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really get along with many people. You don't see right. many friends of his except a couple of guys that are kind of douchey, but not really. Yeah. Right. Right. And she is mm, new to town, shall we say? Mis- yeah. has a bit of weird mystery with this some is, yeah. strange this is things. The misunderstood, uh, right? You know, like outcast nerd meets right. uh, like a slightly weird, strange backstory, kind of normal woman. Right. Um, and so there's a little crossover between these two worlds. And yeah. you can tell that, um, Richard Kelly feels like, um, uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal is playing sort of like a, um, a Holden Caulfield kind of character, like, uh, from Catcher on the Rye, uh, which is a total misunderstanding of Catcher on the Rye because Holden Caulfield's a fucking creep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, which is the point of Catcher on the Rye. Um, right. but, but, uh, like there is a, there's a, I think that, it 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 plays on especially you know for people in you know the Gen X age group the sort of the that we were the weirdo outsiders you know uh, who liked all the cool shit and nobody liked us like that's what that's what Jake Gyllenhaal represents and uh, and so I think that we felt a little seen by that performance and the idea of meeting someone like Jenna Malone who's sort of normal but sort of weird. It was seen as a big win. And that's why that story is attractive to a certain age group. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a normal it, person kind of understands us. It, Weird. Yeah. 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 But I mean, if it's nostalgic for 1988, listen, these, these kids are, ad, are definitely a little adolescent. And so is this movie. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> 100%. 
this is a thinly drawn story. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's incoherent, especially by the end. I don't really know what the movie is saying. No. But Jenna Malone is an excellent actor. Jake Gyllenhaal and her have great chemistry. Yes. All works. All works. So several things happen. He encounters this, uh, uh, in his hallucinates, this man dressed in a giant bunny, dark bunny outfit. Yes. Or steel faced bunny suit, which is, uh, you can see if you're watching us streaming, you can see it behind us. Right. Uh, but he is, uh, 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 named Frank. Correct. Yes. Right. right. I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember because it was Frank since I've seen this. Yeah. And, uh, Frank tells him several things to do several things. Frank told him to go to the, to the, to the golf course, right? Mm -hmm. Frank, uh, also tells him to flood the school. <laughs> right. It's so funny. Go ahead, Eric. When you say, oh, it's Frank. I remember, I don't know why I'm telling this story, but I, I my brother was friends with a guy who I eventually ran up with in Europe once uh, he owned a club, but he in New York, he was a model and this is late eighties. Imagine late eighties. And his, he's like, it was over by Varick street. He's like, we're going to go with Paul and we're going to go see his father briefly, Frank. And so we walk in and super nice guy, Paul. And his father was Frank. And so the son called him Frank he looked like Teddy Bass in Sexy Beast, and he <laughs> did have a robe on. And he knew Keith Richards and, like, all these people. And he had the slick black hair. And I was like, hi, Frank. Hey, how are you? I'm <laughs> and, so, and then he just kind of walked around, went to the kitchen. It was a beautiful apartment. And I'm like, okay. So I'm just sitting there alone waiting for my brother. And Paul. But whenever people say it's Frank, I just remember like hanging out that with, dude. Hey, hey Frank. Frank. <laughs> hey Frank. I'm just waiting for my brother and Paul to come back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know who, what Frank reminds me of is, he looks like Teddy Bess, uh, is David Lynch because that's right from Frank, Blue Velvet. Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. So yeah. yeah, like the, the David Lynchness of this thing cannot be. Yes, uh, yeah. like I totally is, forgot about that. But yes, yes. Frank, that is uh, Dennis. <laughs> so Hopper's whenever I hear Frank, from... it's it's true. It's Blue Velvet yeah. or Varick Street, nineteen eighty nine. No, and Frank. It's... No, <laughs> that's right. That's my best. That's where he pulled it right from. <laughs> that's where he pulled it from. Frank, no. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's how what great I think is that gotten. film? Oh, it's fucking incredible. That's one of the best things. And, you know, some made. people say, oh, it doesn't make sense. Maybe huh. it doesn't make sense, but it's still a beautiful film. That movie, it makes this it movie could have been sense. that. Yes, I agree. Like this movie sits in well with, for instance, I was a giant and I continue to be a giant fan of underground comics of the period. And so like, if you were, if you were into movie, if you were into comics, like, I don't know, the flaming carrot or, uh, love and rockets or, um, you know, anything that's sort of like a little bit spooky and a little bit, you know, like it's, it's behind the beads over here in the comic store. This movie's going to plug right into your vibe. If you haven't seen it, it, it will, it will work for you. Beautiful stories for ugly children, those kinds of comics. Um, this is that, that set. And, uh, and so like I can still, I still, I still feel like if you haven't corn seen fed? it, have you heard corn fed, corn fed, uh, the, uh, the, the cartoon, the, the, the underground comic book. Oh, maybe I don't know that one actually. Corn fed. 
But yeah, I think like, cause I'm talking about the, like, yeah, I think you're referencing more, uh, early seventies, the early seventies, like I the, got a whole uh, yeah, database the crumb I just stuff. Made. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like crumb is, crumb is magnificent and crumb rolls on up into Daniel. That's why I was confused. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Because I thought you meant, you meant comic books, not comedians, comics. Oh yeah, no, like comic, <laughs> com, you know, comic books, comic books, like because like uh, our crumb. That's I was like, wait yeah. a minute, wait a minute, and my mind doesn't go to comic books immediately. So, but yeah. my mind goes to comedians. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, but like that. Yeah, so like the 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 blend from Zine Comics back in the seventies uh, and sixties, uh, from our crumb that leads up through Daniel Close and Eight Ball, and that leads into the 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 nineties wave, late nineties wave of indie underground comics that are still really fucking weird and crazy today. Um, and I feel, I feel like, and this is also part of what I love about this movie is like, I don't see any kinds of movies like this anymore at all. No one's even trying to do No one even tries to make these things. There are a couple of like, there's like, I mean, it's to Eric's point, isn't that maybe that's okay? (laughs) But but there's an attempt. I know. I don't think it's, I don't think it's okay. I think it's, I think it's bad. (laughs) I think it's bad we don't do these kinds of things because what I want is another, because David Lynch is an old, old, old man now, right? We need the next voice like that. And there's yes. not, there is not too much coming up that to, to replace that. I'm sure there is. They're just not allowed in the door. They're not no, allowed because in the there's room. a streaming yeah. model yeah. and yeah. there's a whole thing. And yeah. I noticed that everyone's now saying reject the streaming model, which is nice. Yeah, well, we got to do something because everything is just corporate, you know. And again, like I do, if anything that I just said sounded like anti-generational, oh. that's not what I mean. I mean, this is an, right now everything is very corporatized. And there we need to very, break out of that. There's a very interesting thing. Jessica Chastain sort of tried to explain what's going on in the negotiations right now with SAG. Or with oh, SAG. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. And she said that she put it in a very simple way using a baseball metaphor, which was like, of all places, Jessica Chastain it. explaining Jessica. it. Okay. So she's saying, imagine that you have a bunch of baseball players that are playing in the major leagues and they're not happy with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So they go on strike. And then okay. the minor leagues say, hey, we'll give you what you guys want. So they decide they're going to go play at the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. Who do you think people are going to go see? <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's the major leagues or the minor leagues. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So now the minor le- the major leagues has nothing left to negotiate on. <laughs> this, this has been our point. Like, what have they yes. got? They have nothing. They have nothing. What they're, are- they're, they're shit. Yeah. They got nothing. To, they have no leverage at all. Stop right. talking to them. <laughs> like, That's right. Like well, they don't have anything. They offer nothing. So I don't know what you're negotiating over. Stop who, talking. Right. Who offers nothing? The studios. The, the studios. The they major. Offer, league, the quote unquote major league. The majors. <laughs> what what do they offer that you can't have yourself? Yeah. Like if you if you got like you know whatever Tom, if you got some big name Tom Hanks name you know Jessica Chastain whatever and Jessica Chastain goes I'm starting my own mini studio like a twenty four style. And um, we're going to make our own stuff. Anybody who wants to come with me, we're going to make some movies. And we're going to sell them directly to distributors. Fuck you all, studios. The studios go out of business because they can't offer anything. They have, like, that's it. (laughs) Like, that's that. Right. Why why deal with them at all? It's never going to end that way. They just have too much money. They don't, like, they don't, but they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. They're not going to do it because the people are going to fund the other ones. Yes. All the money is going to shift over. Yeah. 
This is why I think say I mean, that like, again. I'm not dumb so guy. So what's happening, Eric? So listen, what's happening? At least talk that, down to me. That way, I feel like a child. <laughs> yes. First of but all, but you know what's happening? That basically, the, the small independent studios are basically saying, "We'll give you what you guys want," mm-hmm. and the other studios, the the group that's that's negotiating, they have nothing. So the, all the actors are saying, "Great, we'll do. We'll work with these guys," yes. and so and so now the major studios have nothing because. Tom Hanks is going to work at some small independent studio and yeah, fine. Universal has nothing. <laughs> so they blew it. The studios yes. are blowing it. Like this is, and this, like, the only thing I can imagine, and maybe wrong, but the only thing that I'm imagining the studio heads are thinking is like, well, we're basically all fired anyway. So we may as well just try and keep as much money as we can as the place burns and then leave. I'll take my golden parachute and wrap. Like, well, I, I what's can't happening right else. now is that the big studios are saying, uh, the reason you have a strike is because the little studios are screwing you. They're trying to blame it all on the other ones. Oh my God, guys. Please. Are they really? Yeah. Please. And it, some people are buying it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's That's like ridiculous. you're never going to see these great movies anymore because they're never going to be available to you on Netflix anymore because of these, these actors are. The being, only, the only thing yeah. the studios have of value is their back catalog now. That's it. Yes. That's it. Yeah. So again, we mentioned we this. Listen, this is the '60s all over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. The I mean, Drew for years, got her ass handed to her just yeah. the other day. Oh, say oh, yeah. Speaking, speaking of Drew, Drew Barrymore in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, she really got uh, her ass handed to her. Oh, she put her show back on. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone sees her as a scab. Yeah. But yeah, like this is this is the thing, dude. It's like this stuff. The studios, the only thing, the only value that they actually have is the licensing that they own for all their back, back catalog and all that property, right? That's it, which is a lot of stuff, but that's a, who are we going to show this on problem as opposed to how do we make new things problem, which they aren't interested in solving. Mm. Like, you can go and make new things with new partners and you don't have to sign a deal with these guys at all. Let them be, let them be content providers of stuff that's already been made. That's fine. Yeah, that's we don't need it. We don't need you anymore for anything, Warner Brothers. Like, that's that. So, S- sell the rights to your Mission Impossible, Paramount, Par- like Mission Impossible stuff. Great. That's really, but not to harp on this, guys. But it is a pivotal time in a business we've been to combined. It's about 120 years, all of us. Mm-hmm. So the question is. Basically, the studios is what you're saying. You have to really come to the table within the next four weeks or else it's all shit. I don't know what they have. I don't know what they can. If they don't just agree, then what do they offer to Well, they're meeting next week. They might solve it. So I don't I mean, like I, I think they destroyed any sure. good relationship. I think every, regardless of if they negotiate or not, from what I've read and I've read a lot about what's going on, mm-hmm. I just it feels like there's an animosity that's underneath yes. brewing on both sides that it's really hard to kind of clean that up. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So and even I if they that, agree and yeah. dust settles, there's still this animosity. I, I agree. But I also think that this, I, I hate to say this, but I think this is actually the way that we have learned to talk to people over the last 10 years. Oh, go we fuck yourself, Chris. That's <laughs> exactly like that. right. <laughs> Yeah. You're, that's an, you illustrated it perfectly, but it's exactly that. I think, you know, people like you take a side and you fucking stick to it. Right. You never negotiate on anything. Mm-hmm. 
right? Facebook. Do you hear anyone changing their opinion on Facebook about anything? Yeah, but you know what? To honestly, to no be honest, no one changes you, their opinion. That's a sign of weakness. Yeah, but yeah. You, but this is for me at my age at thirty eight. For me, yeah, and a half, is that I think it's the lawyerization of our culture since the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like because being a lawyer means it means such a big thing, and. And so people start to adapt that kind of no bullshit role and TV has it like lawyers, lawyers, lawyers and judge. Everyone takes this. There's no negotiation. There's nothing. There's no. And people admire that. And why do you think Trump Trump comes across as a bully and people like that? That's that's well, that's yes. And I think the lawyer part is partially correct except lawyers that's their job is to negotiate right i know but as a cultural living yeah. day to day people but, emulate that where it shouldn't it's like that's it, their job exactly. in the courtroom exactly but, you know and they're not always right and they don't right. always make the right decisions but right. people right. since oj it's like they're superstars and it's like well i think we're making superstars of the wrong people yeah i agree well like it, like people people like trump are like they stand in uh for your sense of powerlessness in a changing world right yeah he he bullies people that you feel have you know pushed you aside and you support that so why do you why why would you like if you if if it gets more nuanced than that then you don't get the emotional payoff of seeing it doesn't fit in a tweet yeah it doesn't exactly like what you want is the is the fucking pellet like you're like ah, you really own the libs. Ah, that makes me feel better. Even though my life is collapsing, even though this motherfucker hasn't done anything for me, at least I get to feel good and I get to pop the pill in my mouth. He owned the libs. Oh, ate the pill. Great, and that's what it is. Sure, you know, and but, like, uh, but selling that kind of like that's the no negotiation problem. It's just like we just come to assume that if I'm a dick, then I'll win. Like, all right, that's that's how to talk on Twitter. Sometimes you quote win by the other side just stops talking. Sure. And so you win the Twitter fight. That it's not how to negotiate with multi-million dollar companies. <laughs> but I think that's the case, right? It's like we stand our ground mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah, like, and that, I, I have a feeling that this, this is both, both parts of this are going to be like that, right? There's just, there's just no way. Like, can you ever imagine a situation where a character like Donald Trump would agree with literally anyone? Anyone. DeSantis, Obama, Biden, Pelosi. Sure. Right. <laughs> right? No, never. Right. That's not how you are. That's right? not how it works. Right. It doesn't, you have to, you have to like say, I disagree with all these people and therefore you guys support me. Right. And I think that's what's happening with the producers right now is they're like, don't let them, don't give them an inch. Don't give them an inch. They make them the bad guy, make them the bad guy. Right. And meanwhile, the other ones are doing the same thing. They're doing the exact same thing. Don't give them an inch, make them the bad guy. My, and so my question is lawyerization. Yeah. So my, my question is, if you back away from it, if you say like, okay, what, what are we, what are we really fighting for here? If you're a striker right, and, and you ask yourself, what am I trying to actually accomplish? Right. right. Uh, if you can get everything you need and want from someone else, 
stop talking to these people because uh, that ha- they they don't offer anything and you go sure that's fine i'll go to a24 right you're out of business that's how it works <laughs> i i think that's actually true and i think that that's that's an interesting way to work but yeah you they read they they're there's what I think is going to happen is that, you know, same thing that kind of happened in the 60s, probably even more so, is they're, they're shaking up the asset sketch, right? They're starting mm-hmm, over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think well, that's... Well, uh, the thing that's different than the 60s is that the tool sets is not so proprietary anymore. Meaning, oh, yeah. like, yeah. you know, then it's like, I got to rent a Panavision camera. It's the only way to get a good look and all this right. kind of that's solidified true. Hollywood stuff that is part of a system it's so fragmented and you don't need, you know, you don't need that. Individual producers don't need any of that. Like that's the thing is I think that, and I think that a 24 and, and companies around that size understand that creators have total control over a product. Like they have access to all the tools they need to create the thing. Like, and, uh, a 24 just wants to people like a 24, um, like they've made good and bad movies, but they, 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 uh, they explain that to our fans. That's basically what's his name's company. What's his name? Oh yeah. The, um, yeah. Yeah. That's so like a 24 is essentially like cur- a curation company. Like they talk to people who fit their vibe and they plug those artists into their distribution. And so, you know, by seeing an a 24 logo on a film, basically what it's going to feel like. And that's helpful to the viewer, right? I don't think they execute that much more control on their creatives at all. If they, if it's outside their if it's outside of their tone that they want to sell, they don't talk to that artist. But if it's in the ballpark, they like, they are like, please let us represent your film, and they let it play through. Like that's the way it should be, because then the artists get control and they get what they need in terms of branding at a twenty four, which gives the artist a lift and. And keeps everything in the A24 style. It's funny. I saw an interesting artist the other day, and he's an AI artist. And Mm -hmm. he does nice work, and he also selling NFTs. And he's rep by William Morris Endeavor. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? So that's a change that's happening as well. But I I think these curation companies are going to become very important representatives. Yeah. Like it's like how Mar- essentially that's but how wasn't Marvel. Wasn't it the same thing that Zoetrope Films or whatever that that, that uh, tried to do? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. which collapsed Isn't because it, of egos. Yeah. Well, and that may happen at A twenty four once you get oh, a bunch true. of freaking big name guys like that's very go true. A twenty four. A twenty four is not the art. Like, A twenty four is not like Coppola and everyone in Zoetrope were were also the filmmakers in Zoetrope. But A twenty four is but not Lions a set of directors that are trying way. to make movies. A twenty four is a distribution the same company. Way. United Artists was the same way, but what right. about the what Mary about Pickford? the uh, what's the, what's the other one? The one that does all the horror films? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Yeah, Blumhouse. Like yeah, Bl- Blumhouse does. You know, it does pay for movies to get made, obviously. But I mean, like the like the 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 ideal with these guys is that they have a brand that they're trying to sell called A twenty four at Blumhouse. Like this, if you come to see one of these movies, it's going to feel like this. Just like with Marvel, if you come to see a Marvel movie, it's going to feel like this, right? And they don't have; they're not owned by the you filmmakers. Watch a Russ Meyer film; it's going yeah, to be. It's like going to be this. like this. But like a twenty four, unlike Zoetrope, is not owned by the artists that are making the things for a twenty four. 
Like A24 is a distribution company. So they are trying to look at things that match their model and plug them in. Whereas they go to every, they go to every film festival and they they buy the stuff up that fits their brand. Right. Right. And whereas like Zoetrope was like, we're a bunch of incredibly creative people, you know, and together we'll have a company that makes brilliant, amazing films. Turns out we're also a bunch of egotistical jerks and we battle each other and our company falls apart. Like, right. That's what happened to that. That's because they're a bunch of very difficult artists. But that's not what the that's not what A twenty four is. A twenty four is a, a business model as right. opposed to, you know, but a so what's also model. interesting is that somebody else tried that model or did that model for a while mm-hmm. and got his really thought the system was Prince. Sure. He had right. his own record company out of Minnesota or wherever mm-hmm. and owned studio and the big labels fought him. Yeah, but this, sure. well, that's, this is what, like, when you brought this is the 60s, like, this is the, the big labels in terms of film do not have any leverage anymore. Or they're losing their leverage, right? So, like, Prince has to fight uphill with whatever, ASCAP or whoever the fuck they're, that's you know, right, yeah. right? But, uh, Sony. Sony. That's why he wrote on his name, he changed his name. Yeah, so he could own the, all this the, the material. The artist again. formerly right. known as Prince is right. because they locked him in this horrendous contract. Right. So he changed his name and then wrote "slave" on his cheek all the time in the nineties. Yep. It's to fight Sony. Right. And so, like now, all these artists uh, don't have to fight that uphill battle because the studios are are weakening, and that's their opportunity. You know, like this is when you can actually take a stand and create a new relationship with a new set of dist- distributors, and you don't have to go through these fucking old slow you know, money sucking giant, you know, uh, uh, rich idiots. Like you don't have to. And I think that Chastain is pointing this out. Like, why the fuck would you even deal with these people? Yeah. Right. It's just like, yeah, like it's, it's literally like you brought up before, Chris, it's like someone coming along and saying horses are horses are the way of the future. (laughs) You're like, I think I'm going to invest in this automobile thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's very interesting that that's going on. I forgot where we were in the movie. Anyone remember where we were in the movie? Uh, I think. You, oh, yes, that's right. He he is told by the bunny rabbit to flood the school, right? And I forgot there was a specific reason why he wanted to flood the school with something. He read it in, in the book. The Graham Greene short story that the reading class. Right, it's in right. the book. So they did that, and then they blamed that on him reading the book, or at least the, the conservative teacher did. Conservative teacher also is obsessed with trying to teach the kids the way of Patrick Swayze. Right. And Jake Gyllenhaal thinks way. it's the Swayze way. Uh, he thinks it's bullshit and completely right. like doesn't like it, right? Uh, she's very upset about them, thinks he's horrible, right? And then uh, – uh, then she does, has a lecture in the main hall with Patrick Swayze, at which point Jake Hall asks him all kinds of uncomfortable questions like, how much money is the school paying you? All these other things, right? right? And basically tells him he's full of shit and everyone's cheers and they're all very upset about how he's treating, they're treating his guests, etc. So doesn't go too well. But he is also very disruptive. The, the hallucinations get worse and worse. There's some very strange visual effects that are kind of starting to look like the abyss. That is an interesting idea. No, it not, it's, it's a demo reel for a school. Yes. It's uh, the yeah, demo right. reel. It's, like the, it's, when it's, it's a horrible. tube, it's still, it's dated and it doesn't With look the clouds, good. But it's it like, does not on. look good. It's yeah, trying it, to look like the abyss. 
Yeah, it's like like when they look when they probably pitched the way this is supposed to look. They said like the water tube in the abyss. Oh, the let's abyss. do it. We don't have yeah. a budget. What if we just took a sock and filmed inside the sock, but then put lights outside the sock so it glows? Hey, yeah. that's a great idea. Let's do right. that. That's like it, basically your. It would look better if you did it that way. And the to which is, point, a good director would say, "Fuck that. Let's just think of a creative way to solve this because it looks like shit." Wait, and the thing is, like, regard like if you like. Again, like it, the tube bit works when it's a tube. At least you just go, well, it's a dated That's effect. That's when it's the hand. But when it, like, it, it makes mistakes, like tur- the tube turns into this, like, weird Homer Simpson hand, like, waving him on. I'm like, the fuck is that? It looks, it looks like shit, and it's a dumb idea. Like, why right. even invest in that? And then, and then you go, like, what is this, what does this mean? Like, what, how, what, what does this mean for the story? Well, it's, what it's trying to tell you mm-hmm. is that he can visualize these tubes, mm-hmm. which are the motivation that people have into where they're, where they're going and what they're doing, right. right? Then these tubes are essentially supposed to be these portals or of their future self. Yes. Right? So there is a story here. And well, yeah, I mean, a, I, I see I'm what not, it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to say I don't that, know what it's saying metaphorically. Like, well, I'm, I'm it's just sort of like, saying that he can see these things, and he's starting to understand that there's such a thing as these portals, right? Yeah. I'm not saying it's good. Yeah, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying I don't know what, like, why it's in the story. What it's saying about, like, is it saying we are all on locked paths and we can't deviate from them? Is it saying... This is why I'm so connected to this girl. Is it saying like I'm just like is this how we're all connected? It's not quite landing that part of it. Yeah, Doesn't I'm just matter. sort of like I mean, it's interesting. It's vibey. I yeah. just don't know what it is. I'm not <laughs> like, saying it was it. good. I'm just saying yeah. that there is this definitely has right. a thing. But basically, he also finds out during this time he starts to inspect things about time travel. He mm-hmm. finds his time travel book. That in the library that happens to be written by someone who used to be a teacher at the school and is this crazy old lady who lives in a um, who they all call old lady death or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah. she and does part time just... work for David Lynch in Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> right, and so right. that's that's the thing that 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 they find out, and she just sort of hangs out outside and looks at checks for mail every five right. minutes. Okay. Like, and so, you know, I'm still arguing Eric's point. I'm trying to get like, through enemy real yeah. quick because I just want to waste too much more time on this. Right. But uh, what we discovered and is like the mother goes, uh, the, the kids make it to the finals and they have to go, uh, the, the little kids make it to the finals in terms of the dance competition. Part and so the mother says, I'm going to take her to Los Angeles to compete in the finals. They go there. They did well. They are on their way back. But the father's also gone. So the uh, the the younger uh, uh, Gyllenhaal and his sister decide to have a party at the house, Halloween party, because it is Halloween, and everyone shows up in Halloween costumes. Hmm. Find out someone at the party is named Frank. He has uh, a bunny costume. He has a bunny costume. Yeah, and Frank go. goes out to get beer, mm-hmm. right? And so during this whole situation that happens, uh, uh, Gyllenhaal is out with his girlfriend. That they says, "Oh, we have to get answers from the old lady." They go talk to the old lady. The bullies are there being assholes with them. She falls to the ground or something like that. And Frank, who's been on a beer run, does not see her, runs over his girlfriend with a car, killing his girlfriend. Right? Right. But he realizes what's going on, that there's 
that 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 the portals thing is a uh, thing that's happening, and this and this is where it, if it's not going well so so far, it's falling apart even worse right as of right now. Right. <laughs> right. So he ends up in a portal back to the past, mm-hmm. right? Goes into his. I'm trying to make. I'm probably skipping a bunch of steps. Ends up back in his bed mm-hmm. in his room realizes that Frank has been trying to tell him something about mm-hmm. what's going on, the future Frank. Mm-hmm. And as he gets into his bed, he realizes he makes the choice not to go to the golf course right. and dies, stopping all future activity in right. like everything saving his girlfriend. And like now like, Jenna Malone's alive. Right. You know, everything is like he's crushed. He's crushed by the plane engine falling through. The plane right. engine, obviously, but yeah, like so, it all loops around and set, and wipes out everything that happened in the film and resets right. it to the beginning. Only he right. died, right? In a sense, this is like a time travel meets Final Destination. <laughs> yes, and so or, yeah, that's what said, it is. Like, yeah, like yeah, or, it totally is. <laughs> when we said uh, the, the first go around, we said, yeah, it's sort of like uh, this is a terrible life. <laughs> it's like oh, this is a wonderful it's, life, it's, but it's, reverse. It's, this is a terrible life in reverse. Yeah. Yes, this is a terrible life. Yeah. And so, like the like this is, and so like you know, like the and it and, and it ends on this perfect note where Jenna Malone goes up to the house. Little kids standing there, like just a little neighbor kid, and she's like, "What happened? Oh, my neighbor got crushed by a falling plane engine." She's like, "Oh, that's really sad." Doesn't remember anything about Jake Jill and all of this stuff. And uh, and she's like, oh, that's sad. And she looks at the entire family devastated. And it goes over to Mary McDonald, who plays Jake Gyllenhaal's mother. Right. And everyone else is looking like classically, tragically sad. And Mary McDonald is just sitting against a tree, smoking. In the I kind of like that though, which is fucking awesome. Like right. Mary McDonald is a hero anyway. She's one of the best actors. She was I've pretty ever seen. cool in this movie. She is very cool in this movie. She is very cool in everything I've ever seen her in. Yeah. Um. And uh, Sneakers, Dances with Wolves, Battlestar Galactica. She's a terrific actor. But she has this <laughs> incredible vibe to her, yeah. like which is just beyond the film. And yeah. seeing her like sit and smoke after she knows her son's Son. been crushed, you know, right. and she looks back at Jenna Malone and just sort of raises her hand like saying hi and Jenna Malone raises her hand and the little kid raises his hand and then that's the end of the movie you just go I don't know what that meant but that was fucking great like that's a great little scene and so this brings up the there's an idea that my friend Ben always talks about with movies called I think it's primacy and latency which is essentially like if the first thing you see is great and the last thing you see is great it doesn't matter what kind of shit sandwich you have in the middle yes that's like dyslexia if yeah. you get the first letters right and exactly. the, the, the middle of the last letters right, you mix up all the other letters, I can still read everything. I still got said. it. I still got it. It's okay. And I think that, Eric, is actually the answer to your uh, to your question. Is like there's a couple of things in the middle that really work and are interesting, but mainly the very beginning and the very end of this film are perfect. And that's why I ultimately give it support, even though it's a mess and I don't understand what it's trying to say. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is holding it up the whole time doing a, a masterful job in his premiere performance. And then he, uh, and then it lands the plane well, joking aside uh, <laughs> in the last, in the last few moments. And you're like, that was great. At least some of it was great enough that I liked it. Right. Well, he does also. That works for me. Yep. Yeah. That's the argument. Anyway, I agree with you. It's a fucking mess. <laughs> the movie's a mess. What are you going to do? 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. I uh, think what I find annoying is that it's perceived as a masterpiece. Sure, I get it. That yeah. is just like, like it no, is not a masterpiece. It's a really it curious not a masterpiece. Yeah, it's it a, it's a, a really yeah. it's a really unique movie. It has a unique tone, and uh, it would be great if someone were to attempt yeah, a more McDonald's McNuggets are unique is unique food. Yeah, it's still delicious though. That's a like, bad comparison. <laughs> like, God, it's just <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think I think that that's the thing is like there is a movie here that I would love to see a better filmmaker make. Uh, but there's enough in it that I I like this strange flavor that it has, even though, man, the movie tries to drown well, it. Well, let's, let's celebrate a few things that I think we can all agree this movie did. Mm-hmm. One is brought Gyllenhaal to light. Yeah, but in fact, both of them. His sister as well, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like they are terrific. It's always a pleasure to see Mary McDonald. Like, I think that there's there's stuff to reference in this. This is, this is the kind of movie that if someone sees it and likes it, who is a better filmmaker than the people that made this movie, they may go and make the great version of this. Like th- it's there to be made. You know, it's sort of like how I feel about movies like, I don't know, Zardoz. Like I love Zardoz. Zardoz is a mess, you know? Sure. And, and you, like I watched that and I'm like, this that's is affecting me. That's the thing. I think that's surprising to me, right? Mm-hmm. Is that Zardoz is a mess, but when we all watched it, we were like, Wait, this is a better movie than I thought it was. Oh yeah, I totally right. Agree. And yeah. I think the reverse is here, right? Yeah, like, the reverse is true here. Sure, yes. Right, There's it's in the same zone. It's not though. as like, good a movie as people Zard- think it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zardoz is a better movie than people think it is, and this is a worse movie than people think it is. But it is in the same zone where you're like, I can't really recommend this thing because it's not very coherent. But there's something right. here, and uh, and with this, I can recommend it because it has a nice flavor. But you do have to say, you're. It's not gonna. It's not a perfect. It's not. It's not a masterpiece. It's just got some interesting stuff. I hope better artists are inspired by this and follow through on it. It's got a good direction. Sure. It's got a good idea. It's the. It's the children of David Lynch, who've yet to be born. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I rewatched that video of his when he was talking about the sadness. Of people trying to watch a movie on their fucking oh. iPhone. <laughs> One of the greatest quotes of all time. He is trying to be so peaceful. Yeah, he's but just then he like, just breaks at the end. He just fucking snaps. <laughs> it's like he's, he's trying like, to be supportive. Yeah. He's like, it's such it's such a sadness that people see a movie on their fucking telephone. <laughs> it's like, on off the cliff. <laughs> the rage overtakes him. I just didn't think on he was just going to fucking telephone. <laughs> it is so good, man. It's I so did good. that when I was like, you know, because they were talking about the amazing HDR display on the new iPhone. I'm like, oh, you're just no, re-encouraging this. Yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, it's Dolby true. Vision on your iPhone. Uh-huh. Uh, you uh, bet. Uh, look at this thing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Come on. But like, I would say, like, if you want, like, if you want to be really inspired as a filmmaker, like, watch this. It's got some good bits. But uh, go watch. I think it's still on Criterion Channel. Go watch David Lynch's what seems to be his final film. I, I don't. I don't think he's gonna be making any more anyway. Um. Uh. The, the what's it called? Uh, Inland Empire. Like, oh yeah. That is a fucking crazy work of art by a still daring person. I, I, I know somebody in that. 
Do you? Oh my god, what yeah. a ma- that is a if you want to see a masterpiece, that is a masterpiece. But it's really, really challenging, and it's it's a hard watch. Like that's yeah, what you should do. It's a hard watch. Yeah, like yeah. that's uh, what you do in L.A. for God for yeah twenty years. He, the, but this guy. Let me ask you this: just based on the physics of things, what is important? Field of view of a screen or distance of a screen? <laughs> uh, distance. Distance, yeah. Like, there's a, like, I like because you can you can watch a phone close to your face. And That's what be, I'm saying. Yeah, like it. You can you can get the right field it, of view. It doesn't it doesn't carry the weight that being in a big something that you really feel the scale of. It just doesn't. Even when you're talking about just home TV, like it just isn't. It doesn't feel like that. And uh, so you need sixty foot screen minimum. Like, no, I think, you, I mean, I agree with you. Like, you watch it on a good TV at home. Like, it starts to get into the ballpark where you're like, this is acceptable. Like, right. th- this is this is enough of a presentation that it works. Um, I just happened to go see um, Silence of the Lambs on the big screen again. And I was reminded, like, because it was a great projection with a an excellent crowd who was all really pleased to be there. And many people who had never That's seen the movie. That's a communal experience. But yeah, but like this, you, when you watch something like that, and like this is the best, in though, granted, this is in the best possible version of this experience, which is very hard to get in theaters these days. Yeah. Most theaters suck. I went to go see Beetlejuice and, and this woman was vaping in front of me the whole yeah, time. It's like, oh, I agree. That's funny. You know, I absolutely agree with the argument of just like theaters are fucking terrible and that's what ruined movies. I, I'm with yeah. you. But if you're going to compare apples to apples, which is like, perfect home like incredible the screen you can hold up your face or a really nice home setup with where you have total control or a theater with a great crowd that is a really great screen that's perfectly projected uh, yeah uh, this this is the most powerful way to see this like that's it. it 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 has an overwhelming uh physical space to it that uh, that that puts you in the right mindset to fully accept an experience so that is the best, but that's okay because most movies uh, play fine on small screens and they don't lose anything. Like, as we said before, like the first time I saw Lawrence of Arabia was in black and white on a shitty tiny television. Still a great movie. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. it, uh, it doesn't take away the great moviness. You know, what's funny <laughs> is that my, uh, a lot of my, the movie experience that I had when I was growing up you know, as a teenager is friend of mine mm-hmm. had, uh, had a Betamax player or a VHS mm-hmm. player. I don't remember what it was. Right. Yeah. But they, we were, uh, there was a pal Sacom color problem, right? Oh yeah. Right. So the TV that he had was not the same color system as his VCR or as his, yeah, as, v, uh, v, uh, as his VCR. And so, uh, he, all the movies that we watched were in black and white. All oh, of yeah. them. Yeah, that's great. On, a, on a little TV in his bedroom. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. we watched a ton of movies that way. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I do that all the time. I've talked about this before. Like, I do this all the time. But it was like a crappy little TV, yeah. and I remember some incredible movie experiences just yeah, watching them in black and white. On, yeah. Yeah. Like, a great movie is a great movie, and you're not never going to lose that element of a great right. film. Right. That's true. But, like, in terms of, like, putting yourself in, like, because it, it isn't about the film. Like the film is the film. Um, but what it is, is about putting yourself in the right space. Sure. And the, the closer you can come to like 
you know, physically pre- preparing yourself to receive something that's going to really work, the yep. more you're going to get it, the more it's going to click with you. Yep. But I mean, yeah, if you only watch on a fucking little, you know, if you, if you watch Casablanca for the first time on your cell phone, it's a great movie and you're not going to be disappointed. It's a great movie. Sure. Like, so it's still going to work, but I understand Lynch's frustration right. and I'm glad that he had it because that's the greatest clip of any filmmaker speaking I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> sure. <laughs> on a fucking telephone. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. Where are we now? Uh, now we're going to move on to our next film, Enemy. Now, would everyone check their mics? We're still recording, correct? We are still recording. <laughs> I believe we are still recording. You guys can hear us. Jason and McMonkey Man, can you guys confirm that we're still recording? I can confirm <laughs> on this computer that we're still recording. I do see, like, basically, I was demanding way too much from my laptop to do all these things. And for those of you who are technology people, here's all the things it was trying to do. I have a program that we're using to try to capture all three of us and get individual streams out of all of those. So that's coming in. I've got OBS working that is cutting us all out using NVIDIA broadcast. Each one of our like things is being done that way. Trying to stream both on Twitch and YouTube at the same time while trying to watch Twitch and YouTube on another set of tabs. You are like Ed Harris and the Truman Show. That's what's happening. And it was <laughs> You're up on the moon and you're running the show. For a laptop that's <laughs> a half an inch thick, it's a right. little bit demanding to right. do that. And uh, yeah, I was dropping frames. Let's just put it that way. The way it goes. Yep. So, uh, but now I basically uh, cut off a lot of those things and we should be fairly smooth. Am I correct that we're fairly smooth? Jason and McMuckey Man, if you are still around, let me know. I cannot even join the chat because I have to shut down so many things. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. But we're uh, going to talk yeah. about Enemy, and Enemy is uh, uh, obviously much later in Gyllenhaal's career, but mm-hmm. also an interesting thing because this was before – Villeneuve sort of had done become a more household name. He was just starting to break through because he had done Prisoners with Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. And, uh, so like this but was that, like but, but, but it wasn't until Arrival that everyone's like, yeah, who is this like guy? It, nobody knew who he was, but he had had a minor hit with Prisoners. Gyllenhaal had done well. I love like, that film. Very, very, very good thriller. Uh, and so he was on the he was on the, like he was definitely on the upswing. Like he had not yet become a name as you said but he was like studios were thinking well of him mm-hmm. and he uh uh got to sneak in this little project in between this and his next movie which i believe i believe is a rival that puts him on the map right i think the next movie is a rival yeah i think you're right i think you're right is a right and yeah and uh and yeah so this this picture enemy it's a very small scale film now you guys neither of you had seen this film yeah no right no what'd you think so I, <laughs> I, I think it was great. It's a fabulous movie. Yeah. Um, to to me, as someone who always thinks about filmmaking, not just the film itself, mm-hmm. I also loved it because I realized how simple and like yes. this movie is probably could be shot in like two weeks. It's yes. the limey. It's simple. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good. That's a good way yeah. to put it in terms of that scale of stuff. Very tight, very focused little story. Right. And then you take the general concept, you really hold on to it tight, really hold on to it tight, yep. and you demand incredibly powerful performances, although very simple performances, mm-hmm. from 
a very tight cast. Yes. They, mm-hmm. Very yeah. tight cast. As Nick Offerman would say on Parks and Recreation, don't half-ass two things. Whole ass one thing. <laughs> <laughs> this thing, he takes like this very, very, I wouldn't say straightforward, but a very understandable, tight idea. And they absolutely commit to selling it to you. They're like, right. we're going to do everything correctly. That's right. our job. Yes. Um, and uh, the other thing that was interesting to me is... I felt like the story obviously has a mystery. You're trying to solve a mystery, trying to figure mm-hmm. out what the hell's going on. And you're wondering, like, okay, they're going to explain it. And then, aha, right? Right. And it part of me, when I first was watching this, I was like, please don't be Sixth Sense. Please don't be Sixth Sense. Please don't be Sixth <laughs> right, Sense. You right, know what right, I mean? Right. Where right. it's just like, if you figured it out, then the whole thing is just whatever. Right? right, they never really explain it right at all. Right. So I'm not I'm just giving to. you a heads up. Like we don't. Yeah, really they don't know. say what is happening, but you understand what is happening. You do, we have some understanding. Yeah, like it's in there. And I think, like especially with the final shot, that's the shot that makes you go, "I think I understand what's happening here." Like, but it, okay. and it will sit with you, and you what you what you will think of is correct. All right. <laughs> Part of what's involved in this final shot. Uh, well, I don't know if we should give it. Well, I'm going to no, say we should just go through it and then we talk about the. Okay, last time so I we'll point out, we said that if you're listening to this podcast, uh, uh, like delayed, and you're listening to it recorded, go watch the movie, then listen to this podcast. That's a good idea because we right. need to talk about what happens in the movie, and you should actually just see the movie. Okay, like, that's the right thing to do. Also, I should note that Jason put in check, check, check. He apparently uh, does not. We, we are massively delayed on Twitch. So that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I see. Okay, there we go. Makes sense. But Makes we're sense. still there. So uh, okay, good, 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 good. Gotcha. So thank you, Jason, for that. So that was literally a long, long time between those things. Right. They just uh, started the podcast. On they just Twitch. started the podcast. Yes. All right. That's fine. That's all good. Uh, so, so the the the. Uh, where were we? You were about to tell the ending. So, where does this start? This starts off with strangeness, as far as I remember. Again, mm-hmm. again I I saw it two weeks ago, so it's not as fresh in my mind as it was. And I was going to watch it again today, but uh, and then I ended up watching Seinfeld instead. But anyway, spiders. What's the deal with those spiders? What's the deal with the spiders? Uh, but basically it starts off with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, you, you find Jake Killen Hall is involved in a very uncomfortable, uh, secret room situation with, uh, obviously some sex acts happening on stage. It's a weird, expensive sex club. It's mm-hmm. weird, expensive sex club. But imagine mm-hmm. like a, you know, I don't want to even call it burlesque, but it is, you know, I, I don't want to quite call it the donkey show in Tijuana. No, it's, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's sinister. It's not like nasty and disgusting. It's yeah. just sort of like spooky, underlit. Right. Just to give you, it's, it's, it's there's, sexy there's a woman, on, there's a woman yeah. on the stage and she's very theatrically lit and very she's pretty. masturbating mm-hmm. and about, 50 guys are watching her 
<laughs> and they're just staring. Like it's not staring. like there's nothing right. sexy happening here. You're just no. like, what the fuck is this place? It's no. really however, nicely shot, but why are we however, watching this? However, and I think I brought this up last time at the beginning, but everyone missed it, but I'm now it's finally being recorded. This felt like a movie that I have watched that neither of you have watched called Behind the Green Door. It's almost exactly like Behind the Green <laughs> Door. Okay. Amazing. Denis Villeneuve presents Denis, Behind the Green but Door. It's, but it's true, like, because Behind the Green Door was kind of, a, you know, if you guys you don't know, it was a very famous porn film from the 50s, 70s? Yeah, 70s. late 70s, early 70s, early 70s, early 70s. And it was when people in that time were trying to make artsy porn. And and Bonnie Green Door, I am curious, was, yellow, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but Bonnie yeah. Green Door and uh, the Devil and Miss Jones and Deep yeah. Throat right. and those things. And it was a popular thing to see. It like, was a popular like, thing. Like people would go see our uh, X-rated movies as you know, you know, a thing to go see. Right? Yeah, like this is to to appreciate the you know the, the, the way, like the way the culture is changing. Right. Now we're accepting of this, and it's very right. you know, so it's. Behind the Green Door is basically very similar where this woman gets involved in these things and has shows involving sex on stage and right. a bunch of people watching her right. perform while wearing strange masks and doing gaunts and stuff. So it's right. very similar to this, although yeah. this feels massively like if there's one You're way... You're saying more sinister. More sinister, sinister but yeah. it's also... Like, if there's one way that just blatantly characterizes the male gaze, this is it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, like, uh, along with all the sort of, like, like, uh, cause it's not even that it's, like, it's not like a, uh, graphic or dirty anything. It just feels, um, uneasy and not necessarily dangerous, but like, this feels, there's an energy that's very unlikable. Uh, and, right. uh, and, and very spooky and not, um, not sexy and not positive. Like it's no. very, it is very, very, but it's, it's ugly, it, but pretty ugly. Yeah. Interestingly shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like watching a, you know, beautifully shot decomposing body. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah right. But there is a bunch of other, you know, random things. And it's basically, you can tell that these, uh, this, is not your dime bag strip club. This mm -hmm. is people. You can tell that these are people pay top dollar to come here, right? Yeah, like they have special keys to get into. They the have place. special keys, yes. Right. They and they all have American Express black cards kind of yes. situation, right? right? Right. So uh, definitely special club area, right? Lufthansa Senator Lounge. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yes. So, uh, so that's the situation. But, and then one of the acts happens, like these, after that first act, when other act come, women come out holding like a silver platter with a, with a, with a, you know, cover on it. And you're saying, oh, what's under the cover? They put it down, they open it up, and a tarantula crawls out from under it. Nothing more is said. Yep. But you know that Gillen Hall is there and maybe even the ringleader of this whole situation. Hmm. Can't quite figure that out either. Yep. yep. But he's definitely involved and definitely one of the top people, members, shall we say, of yep. this elite yep. group of voyeurs. Yeah. <laughs> so you expect that Jake Gillen Hall is a fucking millionaire that he's even here. Like, right. So yeah. yeah. And also kind of a bad person. He's a rich and kid. A, yeah, and yeah, he's like he's a 
there's something deeply wrong with this, dude. Right. And it introduces the theme, the visual theme, of spiders. Spiders. Which right. are everywhere. <laughs> which are everywhere. Yeah, right. Right? So the next thing is we notice same Jake Gyllenhaal teaching, mm-hmm. teaching history, right? No. Yes. Yeah, yes. He's, yeah. yeah. something like he's that. A, yeah. He's a history professor. And, and he's giving a lecture on what's the, I forgot. Now, remind me what the lecture is, because this is a key point, but I forgot what it is. Uh, the, the, he's talking about um, how this cer- certain aspects of history keep repeating themselves. Right. And I think that is the central takeaway from that yeah. sequence. Because you right. also see him teach the class over and over and over and over. Over and over again. Right. right. That he is like... This is, isn't a know, time travel film necessarily. Yeah. Just putting no, this out he, there. It's just like he is caught, like he is in some sort of profound repetition in his life and is there's clearly unhappy there's, yes there's basically he's caught in a routine loop yes yeah right and and the first thing you the, the first thing you think is like almost groundhog day <laughs> yes and then yeah. and like the first thing you think is like this well like w- yeah, like the sex club must have been a dream because this dude is not making enough money to get into no. that place. Right. <laughs> like he's just some shitty history teacher in like a community college. Like this is not He's not making that kind of dough. Yes. He isn't. Uh, and he goes home. Oh. And you hear from his mother over the phone that she's concerned. Hope he's doing okay. She's concerned yes. about his apartment being kind of like, I don't know if you're living too well these days. Yeah. Right? Not making enough money kind of situation. Uh, so he goes back home. And he is uh, in his routine, and part of his routine is his hot girlfriend, Melanie Laurent, who comes over and has sex with him every day. Mm -hmm. They have dinner, then they have sex, and then she goes home. (laughs) Right. He is bored of this. And he is bored. Bored of this. I know this sounds unrealistic, oh <laughs> but stick with the movie. What an idiot. Already you dislike him. You're like, <laughs> exactly. shut up. Right. Right. Yep. She's super hot. Yep. But they don't talk much even. You can just tell. That's it's fine. Like, That's fine. It's a, it's a weird relationship. But he does seem bored and it's just like, dude, you are, you're, you don't get sympathy for this character. Yeah. None. <laughs> like, none. Well, he's yeah. looking for something else. Like there's yeah there's yeah. something clearly missing from his life right, right. and like the yeah uh, also I want to throw meaning there's no yes. meaning to his life right this doesn't feel feel meaningful enough yeah right and and, and I also want to throw in the opening title card of this movie is chaos is order yet undeciphered right <laughs> which is sort of key <laughs> to the movie what what your experience of this movie will be it will seem very chaotic. And you haven't but, quite figured it out yet. And you have not yet deciphered it. <laughs> ah, right. You haven't been right. able to put it in order. Right. Right. Uh, and that also brings me back to uh, 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 Contact, where she's looking at the static in the TV, trying to find patterns. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. This guy cannot see what is – like, he can't identify what is missing from his life, but something is clearly missing from his life. And until he figures it out, he's just going to keep on repeating the same pattern. That's what he feels. Right. Right. So okay. he's, he's straining to find figure that out. So while this is happening, he goes back and he lectures and you notice that he's giving the same lecture to probably another class or, you mm-hmm. know, he probably gets the same class over and over again. Um, and then you, you see a scene, I believe, 
where he's in the faculty lounge and someone is trying to have small talk with him, right? Mm -hmm. And he he just doesn't even engage in small talk. Like it's just like, nope. He has no like his life is very boring, and he's yeah. almost like and here's this boring to, douchebag trying to talk to him. And he's like, he's a boring oh, douchebag. Great. Yeah, great. Yeah. That's and so, so convincing. It, Those scenes were just yeah. so natural and convincing. And this dude is just like, yeah. like, like movie director, even if you're not following it. And this yeah. is a great yeah. A and B. Because yeah. when you look at the crap that was Donnie Darko, and it's like the, <laughs> the opportunity to make that kind of movie directorially That's right. was there. The Absolutely material is true. there. Absolutely and true. yet you just want to just there is Throw a, in the bullshit where yeah. it's not, he's not, Villeneuve is not. And that's a masterful director. He, like, the confidence in every sequence. That's right. Is what you're, you're like, the guy who's making this movie knows exactly what he is showing me. So I can trust that I will come to understand this. No matter the, no matter if I don't, because I don't. I'm watching and I'm like, I have no idea what's happening yet. No idea, but I trust the But skill. you're engaged, and I'm there's engaged. a layer and yes. a fog of intensity yes. Yes. that guides you through it. And even if it didn't make sense, yep. there still is that fog of intensity that you see with smaller films that is like, holy moly, I don't know what I just saw, but it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. You can't say that with Donnie Darko. No. It's no, just Darko, contrived because, shit. And I'm not Donnie, being negative. Donnie Darko doesn't ultimately know what it's saying, whereas this movie knows exactly what it's saying. That's and right. And so it, it does. It does this. It, it has this one very important element, which is because. Uh, well, hold on, it, hold on. Uh, it what? knows what it's saying without saying it. This is what I'm going to say. Right? Is that <laughs> here's the key? Is that it? Uh, it it's so well. It's so tightly made that you 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 trust it, even though you don't understand it. And then the movie trusts you. To figure it out like he does not go like oh now i'm just gonna spell this thing out for you it's because you got it all you'll figure it out don't worry keep thinking about it and then you think about it and you figure it out <laughs> and then, it, then it's yeah we don't do that anymore yeah there's a mutual we trust every, going on we here. explain every feeling that you're supposed yes. to feel yes that is why barbie has so many speeches in it <laughs> that has a lot of speeches a, a lot, lot of speeches, speeches to tell you how you're supposed to feel. That's right. If you, you're, we don't trust you to figure it out on your own because yep. you're going to say racist or something. No, we have yep. to explain it to you if so it, that you don't have your <laughs> own interpretation on Twitter. If it is, if it is completely it is undigested emotion, how am I know? How am I supposed to know if I'm right? Right. <laughs> here, pre 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 spoon fed to you right here. Right here you go. Okay. Chewed food. There you are. Chewed Just like food. you want it. Just yeah. like you want. All right. This one doesn't do it. Uh, this one, uh, does, uh, is much more clear about, um, you know, what it's trying to do. Um, so, oh my God, we're losing speed again. Come on, come on, come on, little laptop. Yeah. In fact, uh, Jason on, uh, was very nicely followed up on, um, on our discord in the subscribers land. He said, yeah, at Chris, the latency today is worse than I've ever experienced minutes from when, um, uh, it monkey, man. And I would send a chat text then I, it would finally reach you minutes later. So yes, this is absolutely the worst delay that we've yeah, ever had. I don't, yep. yeah. And it could be, it's probably me, but um, yeah, it's not great. It's a, still suffering a little bit, but we'll, we're powering through. We we're appreciate that. Bye. So I'm just hoping that the recording is salvageable and then you guys can you just watch see. that. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just goes to show that, yeah, it's, 
asking a little too much to try to yeah. do this all from one laptop. So I will find other ways of making this work next time. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Where was Villeneuve I? is a master. Villeneuve is a master. Okay. So, uh, we, he's, he's telling, he's teaching this class as we have mentioned. Uh, he is, um, uh, besides teaching the class, he's also, um, uh, oh yeah. He's talking to the guy about the movies. Like yes. the guy says, Oh, do you like movies? And he goes, excuse me. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Like he's like, like clearly he doesn't want to have a conversation with this guy. But this guy is like just trying to have some conversation. He goes, yeah, I, I guess I like movies. And he goes, do you have any good one to recommend? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. And then finally he recommends something. He goes, that's a good, that's kind of a good movie. I think I remember liking that. He's like, uh, oh, okay, I guess I'll check it out. Which was a very interesting yeah, the uh, the name of the movie is Where There's a Will, There's a Way. Where There's a Will, There's a Way. <laughs> yes, and, and that's right. He tells him the title, and he thinks he's just saying something. And he goes, oh, no, that's the name of the movie that you might uh, – uh, okay. So he goes to a movie – to a video store, mm-hmm. right? There's something strange that happens in a video store. I don't remember. Something weird that happens, doesn't it? Then it was a movie store. Yeah, that's you, people that watch this today may not understand what the hell this is. But he goes and rents the movie, and when he watches the movie, like you get a glimpse of a, of a secondary actor in the movie, guy playing a bellhop, a bellhop who looks exactly like him, exactly, yep. exactly like him. Exactly it's Jake Gyllenhaal like as the bellhop in the, in the movie. That Jake Gyllenhaal is watching, and it freaks him out for obvious reasons. It's like mm-hmm. seeing yourself in a movie that would be weird. Mm-hmm. Right, and he looks him up, tries mm-hmm. to find out, finds out the guy is. This is all takes place in Toronto, by the way, I believe. Yeah, uh, and the way to, uh, Toronto is represented is amazing because, like, it is like as close to being a science fictional looking city as you can yeah. make that city look. Like, right. it's gray and compressed looking. Yeah, There's... it's like us behind us right now. It's just, it just basically looks like Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, like, it's really yeah. spooky, yeah. and uh, and uh, you have um, because there's all these uh, trolleys that run everywhere, buses that run everywhere. There's a network of electrical cables that crisscross over all the streets, and mm-hmm. they show this because it looks like a gigantic spider web. Right, right, that's cool. Right. Exactly. So, uh, where were we? Uh, so you watch the movie, try to figure out that, uh, who this doppelganger is and looks him up, right? Have you ever had a doppelganger? Me? No, yeah. but I have a lot of people who have my same name. I just found another one. I, this would be the fifth person that I've seen that has my name. Believe <laughs> it or not, he runs a fly shop in Calgary. Whoa, nice. That's His name cool. is Chris Nichols, and he does a bunch of videos on fly fly uh, fly fishing tips. Well, there was the uh, there was the one uh, who put up the photo of the guy that looks exactly like me sitting at the. Was it you? Oh yeah, it was me. It was you, yeah. and like this this perfect double of me sitting at a coffee place. Yeah, uh, it was just like whoa. In Culver City. Yeah, it was super That's weird. So crazy. And it yeah. was really spooky. Yeah, I had one like strange. that. Somebody called me in the eighties. No one looks like you. No, <laughs> this, this one guy He's, does. This man's yeah. name was David and, Lynch. No, he, <laughs> this guy, no joke. Somebody called me and said, "Oh my God, 
I saw your doppelganger. And I went over to her place a couple days later. It was in undergrad. And she had a, was what had in the background a videotape of the Rolling Stones playing Hyde Park in 1969. And in it, some guy with a jacket and a tie, but the tie's thin black tie open a little bit, kind of walks across the frame, looks around, and then keeps walking. And it looked exactly like me. That's I was so like, amazing. I love what this. the fuck? And he's watching the Stones, so I can kind of get that. It yeah, was Stones right. High Park 69. And it was there like, what? And we kept freezing it. And I was like, that, they're, it was a sorority. They're like, it looks like you. Were you then? I was like, no, I wasn't there. I was idiot, not but there. <laughs> but That's it was so incredible. How old were you in 1969? You were... I born in 67, two? so I was two years. Yeah. So, yeah, a little young. Yeah, but it yeah. did. That's it's the a only baby time. that looked exactly like me as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where it started to get interesting for me. I really, I knew something was coming when the guy talked about the film, and you see the film, and he's the bellboy, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great." Yeah, yeah, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, that w- does not I, disappoint. And they could have the- had that in Donnie Darko. <laughs> what was the what's that's the correct. famous Valve game? Valvaru? Oh, uh, yeah, Valve. Yeah. Valve, yeah. Uh, no, you're looking at... Um, oh, Lord, now it just slipped out of my head. I tried to say it. Come on. And unfortunately, we're so lagged behind. And of Hang course, on. Mike Monkey Man is probably going to be screaming at it right now. Yeah, and it's, it's only going to come up later. It's uh, something... Uh, the guy with the cr- Half-Life. Half-Life. There. Yeah, so everyone said I looked like the main character in Half-Life. Oh, yeah, back you when do, I actually. Had yeah, 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 exactly. You got the goatee. Yeah, and absolutely. I used to have darker glasses and mm-hmm. so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so someone actually, I used to yell and, uh, during stealth and stuff. I used to just get really pissed off because no one understood what Fresnel was, and that's where that whole saying started to come around. <laughs> that's right. And I was first. like, but it's like everything has it Fresnel. And I'm like, does it? Does it really? Does it really? And I was like, yes, that's how light works, for this, God's yes, sakes. And I used to get really pissed off about everything having Fresnel. And what's so, his name for stealth? Uh, uh, yeah. Blue Book, Project Blue Book, our supervisor. Yeah, uh, 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 Joel Heineck. Yes. And he he was one of the people that was fighting me on it. And That's he's a right. really smart person. But I was like, no, I don't and know so, about that. And so someone posted a picture of me, at the character from Half Life, with a crowbar, like about to attack you, and it said, "Everything has Fresnel on it." So that's where Fresnel. that saying actually originated from. That's just so you guys, that's right. Yep. Know about that? Then just then made famous in our short. Made famous <laughs> in the short as well. That's right. Yes. All right. So where were we? Uh, so he's concerned about. Uh, he's concerned about uh, uh, seeing this person. Looks him up, finds out where this person is living in somewhere in Toronto, um, and uh, goes calls him. Right? Calls her? No. Calls calls the house. Mm-hmm. Goes to his apartment and he no, no, sits no, out. Does sits outside, outside the apartment? The apartment, sits outside the apartment in a phone right. booth, and right. the wife answers. Who's pregnant? Right. Right. Super and hot. She's super hot too. Yeah, like they're and both blonde. super hot blonde one. Yeah, right. Yeah. And she's Passing like, was she's primo. like, you know, I, she thinks it's her boyfriend who is an actor, her husband who's an actor, fiance or her husband. husband. Yeah, husband and, thinks he's playing. She and he's that playing a he's joke fucking around her. with her. And right, because he's like, uh, no, you don't know who I am. He's like, what's going on? What's happening? And just she's just so, and you can, it's really well played that she still just thinks like, you know. What are you doing? Come on. What and are you doing? His, his yeah. look of conf- – and you only hear her voice, and her voice is very well played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, but uh, – and his expression of confusion 
and sort of understanding what's happened. Him realizing is like, oh, shit, I must be extraordinarily similar to this person. But yet you, you won't try it. He, he just ends up hanging up the phone. Yeah, right? and like she starts to realize that something is Something's very weird. weird here. And she, right. she starts to get a little freaked out just right. at the very end. Just at the very end and yeah. barely. Like yeah. the, uh, this – the emotions in this movie in terms of the acting – are so brilliantly subtle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, really said, this actor in particular, she is fantastic. The really, yes. really great. The, the the pregnant wife is yeah. really good. Yeah, really, really terrific. Work. Really good. Um. So then he tries to get in touch with the girl. Does she come to a? Somehow she comes to. Oh, right. He calls the guy again. The guy gets like, stop calling. She call, he calls the guy and then he's like, stop calling. He's like, I sound just like you. And they're trying to, the guy's like, you sound no, just like me. he calls him. Yeah, he calls him again. he comes back. It's like, is this somebody you're sleeping with? Like, right. Like, right. That's, she's sleeping around pregnant. Um, right. And uh, so then he calls him. Right. And he right. agrees to meet with him. Right. Yep. But she is like a little freaked out by like, what's going on? He's like, it's some fan. He's some guy who's like, he's, he's like, fan. And you realize so funny. that he's not really that good an actor. <laughs> right. He's just some <laughs> fucking. Fans. Yeah, exactly. Right. 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 And like, so it's like he's making but money. That is a great show of yeah. his character and what a yeah. like absolute like psychotic rich kid. Right. Former rich kid. Yeah. He's right. a rich just, kid. He's doing like C-level acting work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that. And, uh, and he's, you know, like he's, he's, you know, like he's a different kind of asshole than right. the other Jake <laughs> So just with his perspective, yes, there are two of them, right? And they're yes. acting very different. And if you see like that, the, they clearly Jake Gyllenhaal can be one or the other. And it, the difference he's in so the good. two, you can tell that they're this different is people. Just by oh, yeah. I love him in the way just he carries like himself. His, his shoulders, he, his really shoulders are back yeah. or shoulders are forward. Like, yeah. like yeah. he knows how to be – like just his facial expression. You can immediately tell which he's one is which. He's a great actor and you discover it on this. He's yeah. really great. Yeah. 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 This, is, this is on par with uh, uh, Jeremy Irons' twin performance in uh, Dead Ringers where like it really, really, you know, like you're just like, how the fuck did you even keep track of these little tiny details that are so subtle, but to the point where as soon as one walks on screen, you can go, I know which one this is. That's right. Right. But it was the it. hunch that's yeah. really, it's, yeah, it's pointed really, out. really great. It's his great, hunch. Great it's his shoulders. Yeah. 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 Perfect. It's a look at, it's a, it's a, it's, it's really about defeat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, he, you sense that in him, and with the way he, he's haunched over, and yep. just even playing the video. I, I saw an interview with him in Villeneuve where he was talking about his two characters. Like I had to play these two different roles, right? Act these two different roles, and I had to figure out which one I had to be. It's like being a narcissistic young hack actor wasn't a heavy lift for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. So the other one he's was hysterical. way more challenging. <laughs> yeah, he's hysterical. I love that guy. So yeah, uh, yeah he was pretty good. Um, but anyway, so so uh, he agrees. They agree to try to meet or whatever. But there was at some point he he's at the school and he realizes, fuck, something's going on. But the pregnant wife figures out that he's a professor at the school too because of the conversation she's had with right. her husband. Right. So she goes to the school 
and no, to go meet him. No, 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 no. She doesn't know that there's a double yet. Right. She doesn't know that there's a double, but she knows that something weird is going on. Right. She right? goes to the school. She goes to the school. He is freaked out. He goes outside his classroom, sits down. She sees him, and she it realizes yeah, he, he, he he talks to her on the bench. He sits down yeah. on a bench. He has no idea who she is. He, he, he she has is, no idea who she, she is. She realizes that. But she sees, like, that's her husband. It's exactly her husband, except yeah. not exactly. Right. And so she looks at him like, what the fuck are you doing at this school? And then doesn't say anything. And you, her mind, you can tell her mind is like, what is he doing here? Is, yeah, from her point of view, like, then, why is her husband acting like this? Why, like, this and doesn't then, and then she doesn't, but she doesn't say anything. And then right. she doesn't say anything. And you see that her face, by looking at her face, you just realize, like, that's not my that's not my husband. husband. Right. And then, and, he, then she gets a call. It's like, yeah, because he walks back into the school. And then she gets right. a call from uh, the other Jake Gyllenhaal. And uh-huh. she's like, but what I the would fuck? like to, I would like to <laughs> point yeah. out very, the way that this is edited. Yes. Yes. He, you see him leave. Uh huh. And just as he goes around the corner, two seconds later, the phone rings. Yes. And it's her husband. So he doesn't call while she's looking at him. Right. That's right. Right. So you don't know know exactly what's going on. on. Like, did he get around the corner and then call her? Yeah, exactly. Who knows? But you don't really know, right? So you know that that call came right after he left, which was kind of fascinating. Right. 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 And then – the two guys decide to meet mm-hmm. um, in some seedy uh, 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 hotel room or something. Actually, yeah. right behind you, Daniel, right? Like this. Yes. Go ahead. Hello. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm filming from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is where you're filming from. So what, what, what happens in that hotel room? So initially, like, they, you know, they meet in the hotel room. The hotel room, like, you can see there's, like, there's hookers that are working this place. It's like yeah, this is a very seedy place, right? And like, in fact, like, there's something about the shot of following the prostitute down the hallway, which also reminds me of the seedy sex club. So yeah. it makes me question how real the seedy sex club is in terms of its presentation. Like, are we seeing a fantasized version of that or the real? That's thing, a good or, point, right? So we don't really know. It becomes very, very loosey goosey, and like, you start to really question, like. What is it, what of the things that I am seeing are being represented accurately? Like I really don't know anymore. Right? They meet in a hotel. They meet in the hotel room, and initially, they're amazed. Like they're like, "Look at these! Like our hands are the same. Like everything's like it's the same. We're looking at each other." And then, but it slowly gets weirder. Like, yeah, but we're not like related. Like, do you have a scar right here? You know, he on does. his stomach. Yeah, and and you can see he's like. Oh shit! Like this is something something way stranger. You can't, yeah, even twins don't have the same scars, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so it gets freakier and freakier until he's like, I, "This was a mistake. I'm gonna. I, we get. We have to. I have to leave. I have to leave." And he gets the fuck out of there. He's like, like he's like, well, I thought maybe we were related. Maybe this is just a coincidence. But this is not a coincidence. Something and it's strange. Something oh, very strange yeah. is happening. Something and very it, strange is happening. And it freaks him out and he leaves. And the next strange thing that happens is that he goes the, – the history professor goes to visit his mother, played mm-hmm. by Isabella Rossellini. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Why, Frank? Why? Her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. That is beautiful. That's my best I impression. love it, baby. <laughs> That's my best one. <laughs> but she gives him this long lecture about, you know, motherly advice that's not necessarily welcome or asked for. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> She's just a total bitch to him. She is a bitch to him about how pathetic his <laughs> so life horrible. is. And Why so, did you quit acting? You suck at it. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? That's the thing that she does. Right, she goes, right. he's the professor. Yes. That's exactly. his mother. Yes. And right. then she at the very end says, you should quit this bit rate acting this thing. And it's like, boy, what? what's I'm happening? I'm an actor. <laughs> what is going on? Well, just, yes. And, yes. and then you, you see his face go, what? <laughs> and then they just cut that scene. That's it. That's the end of the scene. Yep. Yep. It's hysterical. So but I mean, like, she's wait. like, she's got like a nice place that's like, you know, like she got, you got some right. Right. And so you're just like, wait a second. <laughs> like, which one are we following now? Which one is this? Yeah. Well, you know, it's the other one. Yeah. Because right. of, again, his posture, right? Yes, exactly. And his right. expression of like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So then the actor decides on a new plan. Yes. Yeah, What's the his actor, plan? The, the, the actor's like, I know how this is going to go down. Like, cause he goes, he goes and follows, uh, teacher Jake Gyllenhaal's wife. Teacher Jake Gyllenhaal teacher Jake. tonight on ABC. Right. And, uh, and, uh, teacher Jake well, Gyllenhaal's he follows, girlfriend. He follows him outside of his house and then right. notices his, his girlfriend. Yeah. Right. So he's and his just follows her around. And this is the scene of him following her around in the bus behind me like this. Yes. that? So right. he's right. just following her. Right. right. And then, so he's like, she is super hot. <laughs> uh-huh. and so, yeah, so he's like, I have this idea. His wife is a, just as hot, if not his wife, His actual wife, equally as hot. Yeah. They and, have but, the same taste in women. Right. Yes. And that's so, actually very he, important, right? Yes. They're both beautiful, tall, blonde women. <laughs> right. But he right. is like irritated and bored. I mean, he, as the, the actor guy. Also, is, his yeah. wife is pregnant, which yes. is important part because right. so, like, maybe he's not attracted to pregnant women. <laughs> yeah. So like he's like, he's distanced from his wife, even though she's really like, she's very smart. She's very likable. She cares about him a lot and she's very attractive. And he's like, you're such a problem. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, 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 wait. That, that's the thing. She gets upset at him because of all these weird phone calls she's getting. Yeah. And she says, you're not, you're not cheating on me again. And goes, yeah. are we going to have this conversation again? Yeah, exactly. Which so you know, she's already horrible. fucking yeah. sleeping around. Yeah. Like a douchebag. And so we're like, not having this conversation again. Yeah. Are you talking like, to her? Is, are you seeing her again? And he's like, I don't want to like, have this conversation. That like, is just, and by the way, that is not the way you address that problem. If, oh you, if, God, you, if like, your wife asks you if you're sleeping around again, you're, yeah. you don't say we're not having this conversation. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time to start gaslighting. <laughs> yeah so like yeah so yeah, like there's already it's a proven track record of him being a scumbag of cheating on her and he is just like he just takes her entirely for granted sees teacher jake chillen hall's uh girlfriend and, and sees like the predatory. opportunity to pretend to be the professor and sleep I'm with her to, and i'm uh, this is how it's gonna work out it's, it's gonna, so predatory and spooky yeah. just the, yeah. that alone oh, yeah. was really upsetting oh, it's fucking awful it's awful and so right. like he confronts J- jake gyllenhaal with this bullshit story about just because he you see the actor practicing to himself going just like you fuck my wife did you fuck my wife which is an awesome throw by the way to raging bull 
I totally. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. it's right. This is Joe Pesci, uh, rather, uh, uh, De Niro talking to Pesci in Raging Bull. It's yeah, like, but it's also him in the mirror is, uh, yeah, taxi driver. It's taxi there's driver. A lot of that. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's like, there's a, there's an, there's like, there's a, there's an actor, like he thinks of himself as fucking De Niro. Like he's just like, yeah, I got it. Did you fuck my wife? Did you fuck my wife? And he's yes. like, you see him practice this. And then he goes to, uh, teacher Jake Gyllenhaal. It's like, do you fuck my wife? Blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to go to your girlfriend and romance her and blah, blah, blah. And he explains the whole thing that he's going to do. Right. Like, we're going to, we're going to swap and then it'll be fair. Like that's how this but is going to work he out. Did, well, he does end up sleeping with the other woman. Yeah. <laughs> but she wants it. She well, wants she it. She lets not... it happen. Right. She knows what but it is. She's, like, she's is, controlling yeah. that. Yeah. She's absolutely. like, you know, you're teaching. Yeah, and because she wants then, it. You say like they both like there's love scenes between the two of them, right? And so teacher Jake Jill one goes horribly wrong, the other one does not. Right. So like so t- <laughs> yeah, teacher Jake Jill and all is uh is with uh, Holy moly. yeah is with uh is with pre- pregnant um actor uh actor pregnant wife mm-hmm. and uh well, and halfway, he, he 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 actually infiltrates the house just to see what it's like to live a different life to because live there. he's so bored with his own yeah. life right. and he wants to try on his clothes, do different things. And it, he doesn't really like when his wife comes home, he's like freaked out. Yeah, he doesn't want to be there. He's like he trying to he wa- he's trying to he get wants away. To fake his way out of it, you know, initially. Right. Um but, but she, she eventually she, gets him she, to come to bed. She she looks at it, the situation, realizes who it is in a very subtle way and she yes. says Let's go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know. I mean, she knows who he is. I guess we'll yeah. say it that way. She knows who he is. And well, she was the first to really through. recognize that, right. too. Right. And whereas Melanie and Laurent, like, and you don't see them sleep together, but you know that they do. Whereas well, with Melanie and Laurent, like, you, like uh, actor Jake Gyllenhaal goes and, uh, like, they have sex and you see all this. Does not uh, go well. And it she goes realizes wrong. He's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, she realizes like, She's like, who the fuck are you? This yeah, is why, bad. What are you doing? Right. What are you I, doing? You're clearly not, not. Yeah, not what triggered that? I was trying to. There was something uh, that triggered it. I forgot what yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I can't remember. But, like, yeah, like, there's something, like, something in the way that he's acting. He is being a different person to, from right. her point of view. Like, it freaks her out. What the, what the fuck is going on? Like, I, like, the, this is, is it a ring? Oh yeah, it's the ring. Yeah, what oh, is right. happening? That's right. Yeah, she she right. notices a dent in She's his like, in his, you're fucked. In his yeah, exactly. You are married. Is the basically the reaction? Like you you are somebody else. You are not who you said you were. It's basically right. her reaction. Right. Right. They get into a gigantic fight, and uh, and he's going to take her home. No, just like take me home. Yeah, and so they're in the car. He's driving like a maniac. They're fighting, screaming and fighting, screaming and fighting. She threatens to jump out of the car. He's driving crazy, and the car ends up flipping and crashing, yeah. and they're both dead. And they're both killed. That's the end of that storyline. Right. And then you go to That's teacher, Jake that. <laughs> like, teacher, teacher Jake Gyllenhaal wakes up Jake. in actor Jake Gyllenhaal's house, house, right? Having and he's s- like, he slept with actor Jake Gyllenhaal's wife. What? She seems to understand what is going on. And like you see, she's like, in the shower. She's in the shower, showering and cleaning right. off, right? Right. And I believe you see, swimming. like, there's a you see a news report where like there's a horrible accident, people are killed, blah blah blah. Right, right. And so he's like, he realizes like, I am now in this guy's life. Like, right. This is this is what is happening. Like, I'm I have accidentally taken over this brand new life, right? right. And for a moment, you see, he's like, 
I'm free. Like I, this has worked out in my favor. I have ended up with a new woman who's incredibly beautiful and very kind. She seems to understand me and I'm feeling good about myself. Right. And she's in the shower, showering, getting cleaned up. And there's this whole little subplot about when he goes to the acting agency and all this, and he goes to the acting agency to find right. the, right. To find the, a, the, the actor. John. Right. And the guy at the acting agency goes, Oh no, they, uh, they left this envelope. There's some guy came by and left this envelope for you. And this envelope's just been in the background of the plot the whole time. Right. right. But he goes and he sees the envelope and he opens up the envelope. Oh, right. And he pulls out a key and you realize right. this is the key to get in the, into the crazy sex party thing that you saw at the beginning of the movie. Which we, they emphasize somewhere in the middle where, uh, as he's going, when the actor, bell, the doorman. Yeah. The, when he, yeah, the doorman's he, like, he, please, he please. pretends to be the actor and he's the, and he's going into the, right. uh, into the, uh, to his apartment. He goes, yeah, I forgot my key. That's how he ends up in the apartment because the doorman lets him in. He goes, right. oh, you must have forgotten right. your key. I'll let you in. And they go into the elevator and he's like, they changed the lock. get me back in there. Yeah. They changed the lock. They changed the lock on the door. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And please let me, I would love to have I a have key to again. Get back. I have to I get have back. I have to have another key. Right. And then, so obviously the, the key is revealed that the, the, he has this key. And so he's part of this underground. And world. so you see him look at the key and he realizes that, you know, he's got everything the actor Jake Gyllenhaal has, including mm-hmm. access to crazy sex party club that the, but he doesn't know the sex party. Well, is, he, get, he, get, he understands know, because, we know. The, yeah, like we understand what it is. He gets a little context because of the bellhop, because of the oh, elevator right. guy. So he's like, this is the key to a crazy sex party house. Right. Like I'm pretty sure. And so he calls out to his pregnant, like the actor's pregnant girlfriend who is in right. the shower. Right. And goes, uh yeah, honey, I I may actually uh That's such a weird transition to be home be home late tonight. He's not like that. Right. right. And like he's like, I'm gonna go to crazy sex dungeon. Like you can see right. it appear in his mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat on this chick and this that I just got this life. I just got it. It's like the refreshment that I wanted. And immediately he's like, Let's fucking go check this out. Right. right. And she's like, Oh, okay. And you see her hear her come out of the shower, and he goes and he's like Oh, yeah, because he explains himself. And he uh, walks around the corner and goes to the bedroom, looks in to talk to her some more. And then we have one of the top five shots in cinema history. (laughs) Which is the Ewoks coming out and going, jump, jump. The Ewoks. (laughs) Ragtime, Jack. When this shot happened, I was watching it at home. I jumped so fucking high yeah i did i i was like what the fuck is happening yeah it was (laughs) it's one of the great crap out of me like it scared me just it just absolutely scared me so if you don't want to know what it is if you don't want to know what it is pause the podcast go watch the movie right now Now we'll tell you what it is (laughs) (laughs) this is your chance all right he turns the corner and you it cuts from him as he's about to keep talking to her and shows what he sees in the room. And there is an enormous 12-foot-tall spider that recoils in fear from him. And then, right. it cuts, then it cuts back to him, and he's like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end of the film. Of the show, yeah. Yeah, that's Does it. he even react? 
I just you, remember yeah. the spider you, being the yeah, last shot. Yeah, you remember this because the spider overwhelms everything. But the most important shot actually is that his reaction is not one of terror. His reaction is, here we fucking go again. Right. <laughs> like, oh no. And that is, that's where the movie leaves you and trusts you that if you chew on it, you'll understand what happened. Yes. Now we should also note that in the, in the trivia section of this movie, uh, Villeneuve made all the actors sign an agreement not to talk about the meaning of the spiders in the film. Right. Don't say what we, whatever we may talk about on set, do not say any of that. Right. right. Which is because to say, let like, people have their own interpretation. Let the audience figure it out for themselves what that means to them. So that's if you, the most important. If you thing. Google enemy movie, mm-hmm. the autocomplete will always say meaning of the spiders. Meaning <laughs> of spiders. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. that's that everyone has an opinion about this and yes. it's just hilarious. They're all different. They're all unusual. Yes. But there's strange shots like the shot behind us right now where it's suddenly just an establishing shot of Toronto with a giant spider. Gigantic <laughs> spider looming over it. Right. Yeah. And in the beginning, the stripper or yeah. whatever she is, is going yeah. to crush a spider with her spiked heel. Right. Right. Yeah. And so Doesn't these are the things. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and so these are the things, like what is being satisfied at the strip club is the idea that this vision of sexuality will destroy this fucking spider that is, but it's, ca- that has caught me in its web. Yeah. It is a trap. Everything it's is about trap. being a trap. Right. Right? Yeah, but what is that the meaning to you as the spider? Well, to to me, Jake Gyllenhaal feels trapped in his marriage. Like he looks at which one? Uh, yeah, well, this is the thing. There is only one Jake Gyllenhaal. Right. Right. And Jake Gyllenhaal is whether he is literally having a psychic split or not is up, open to interpretation because the movie is very loose about what it is actually real. But certainly like there is no teacher Jake Gyllenhaal. Like that mm-hmm. is a, that is a fantasy of normality. Uh, yeah, I agree so, with you, you know, so that, so that he can get out of the fucking dumb life that he's in. Right. And is that the lie he told the girl that he was a teacher? That he's a teacher. Exactly. I, I absolutely agree with you. And so he has been That's sleeping why she with, freaked out about the ring. Right. He's been sleeping with Melanie. He's been cheating. Like, Melanie Laurent is real. Like, she's not right. a fantasy. Um, uh, and she, you know, it shows that he has, you know, particular taste in women because she's very reminiscent of his actual wife. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but he has not told Melanie Laurent that he is married. Right. And when they, quote, die in the car crash, the like, relationship, the relationship is over. Like, that is right. really what that means. But the he cannot escape the web, for his point of view, the web of the spider. And the right. web of the spider is his, like the spider is his marriage and his wife. And he blames everything on her when the movie is constantly saying, this is your fucking fault, you idiot. And he right. never can realize it. And that's why he repeats it. Yes. And so like. This I like. This is what to all to if, uh, for Eric. I'm going to bring up Dan, Donnie Darko now, now again. I'm oh, I like Christ. Donnie Darko quite a bit, but the difference between these two movies is the J.J. Abrams problem. 
Yes. J.J. Abrams. and swears. Yeah, like J.J. Abrams, we brought up in the show before, but I'll go through it again really quickly. Gave a TED Talk in which he's like, the center of a story should always have a mystery box. And everything ties into the mystery box. And which I totally agree with. He's absolutely right. Right. Thematically, you should have a hub. Everything should point at this. And there should be a sense of like this, this thing is for you to uh, wonder about. What is the meaning of the film? Right. But then where Abrams fucks it up in the TED talk is he says, it's not even important what's inside the box. And I'm like, JJ, the most important thing is what is what's inside the box. Like, it's not important that the movie say what's inside the box, but right. you as the person who made the movie must know what's inside the box, even if you don't say what it is. Right. Right. Like, for like, Quint- like Pulp Fiction, <laughs> like Quentin Tarantino knows what's inside that fucking briefcase. Right. He doesn't say it in the movie. Is that what I think it is? Yeah. Like he fucking knows and he can say it. I'm sure he could say it in a single word, whatever it means to him. It's in there. And that's why the movie works. Cause everything points at whatever that concept is for him. The right. movie works. And that is what's happening in, uh, enemy. Like you can interpret lots of parts of this, but the mystery box element, like what the, what the spider means is always going to be in the same ballpark for everyone like they may they may have slightly different interpretations as to the mechanism of the movie but like everyone's going to talk about the same basic idea because the mystery at the center of the movie though they don't explain it will come to you because the movie is so well built to point it out whereas in donnie darko it's a mystery box with nothing inside it right like very I, get to, I get, get to the end of the movie and I'm like, I have no fucking idea what that meant. Literally at all. It was enjoyable for me, but I, at, the, at the end, when he's, when he's dead, I'm like, so are you saying that he's, he, he should kill himself? Is it a pro suicide right. movie? Is it like, is, is people's lives really better without him? <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about at I, all. Literally. I agree. I, I do like the thing that it was the schizophrenic part of the, the plot was when his mother said you shouldn't be a third rate actor. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like this, that's the thing that says, you know, almost definitively says there's only one Jake Gyllenhaal here. Like you were having a fucking right. fantasy life. And then he, when he lee like, and it's not fantasy life. I think it might be, you know, multiple personalities, obviously could be. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But that's the other thing is like, you don't, he just, she doesn't get the call from him until after he's around the corner, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, she's it's, like, the look on her face when you know what's going on is, I think my husband has lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Either he's right. lying or he is fucking with me or he's gone crazy. And he's been mailing her when he's like, are you sleeping with her again? Is the other uh, woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she is correct. Yes. <laughs> right? But somehow he flipped the personalities ended up one of his personalities was sleeping with his wife and the other one was sleeping with his other other girl so they flipped yes right exactly exactly so so that's the that's the thing that's really unusual but yes he falls back into the trap when he wants to go to the sex party as soon as he and i love the coen brothers do this it's like the moment you make the moral mistake you are destroyed by god like and right. that's like the the moral stakes are so high that the moment you inf- that you make your infringement, 
you're fucked. It's the in in Serious Man when the uh, the kid is uh, bribing the teacher to get a passing grade in physics. Right, the teacher finally agrees and takes the money and erases the F and writes in a C, and then he looks at it with such resentment and goes minus and draws a little minus right next to the C. Right. Instantaneously, the phone call rings. He has cancer, and his kid's gonna be killed by a tornado. Right. <laughs> like, they, you know, like, bam, done. You know, and then this is the same thing. It's just like the moment he gets the key out, he's fucked. Like you've you have agreed to start the fucking movie again, my bro. Like you, right. you're you're in hell, and you're just going to keep repeating through it. Yeah, until you fucking figure it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The trap. The trap. The trap is you, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that is what is happening well and the nice thing is even though we just explained everything the way that we see it mm-hmm. it still movie does not yeah the movie still, does not explain you could right. walk into this and saying i don't get it what's the spider what's this or what's that right, right? right. but you but and you can watch this and you're like you don't say it's not spoon feeding he's like oh my god right he's been dead the whole time blah, like blah, blah, you know? I, I i do believe that like because there are many like you as you point out like there are many different interpretations of this movie but all of the interpretations are like you can lay them on top of each other and they they're all say similar stories. they say very similar things right you could look at this whole film and say they were two people and there was some supernatural thing right and that that he was basically like uh, he his one dies off and he becomes the next one and then it's yes. going to repeat itself that way. Could be There's going to be another Gyllenhaal that happens again, right? right. It's going to be a little Groundhog Day situation, right. right? But the relationship between him and the spider remains the same. Whatever, right. however you interpret the he reality, he falls back into the happened. trap. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so, like, because man, I've read like people believe that the spider is literal, like that that the city is actually oh, controlled that it's by an alien or something. that it's an alien or something like this. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's what they meant, but it still works. It still works. It doesn't matter. Because the story works. Like, all the parts right. of the story are there, and he's letting you put those together. However you – whatever the details are about what the connections you make, you are going to create the same – you're going to see the same web. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's the real genius of the movie is that it trusts you to see that. It trusts you to see the important part of the movie regardless of the details. Right. Like, it doesn't It doesn't matter – like, you, know, you can interpret whatever the fuck, you know, uh, the, the literal – elements are in any way you want maybe he's crazy maybe he's not crazy maybe she's real maybe she's not real whatever it is doesn't matter that the relationships are absolutely discernible and there's no no need to specifically say out loud what is happening because the the problem that jake gyllenhaal is facing is that he needs to figure it out right and he and he fails to figure it out the reason why he that villain doesn't tell you is because if he tells you then he's keeping you from figuring it out and you need to figure it out. You need yeah, to be you able to, to go do through that journey. what Jake Gyllenhaal fails to do. Right. Right. That's what validates the statement of the movie. If he tells you, he relieves you of the responsibility of understanding what the morality is. And what you really have to do is figure it out yourself. So you understand the lesson of it. Yes. Because if M. Night Shyamalan had done this, he would have done that and then revealed, right. gone to flashbacks and make you realize, oh, my God, he's right. been the same person the whole time. Right. Yeah. And it's like right. th- this is like that. Re- yeah. That- but so would have uh, um, Abrams. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yes. Agreed. And and the thing is, like, the, like the 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 responsibility must be yours. Otherwise, the movie is the movie doesn't believe in what it's saying. Like, it has to trust the audience that that you will figure this out because right. the morals are important here. That's what we're saying. So yeah. look at them, see them. Well, one thinks the audience is stupid. They have yes. to explain it, and yep. one does not. Yeah, he and makes this is it like for his own personal intellectual pursuit and life and art. Right. And he right. doesn't treat the audience like morons. Yeah, well, because this is this plagues Villeneuve, and people critique Villeneuve. They keep on saying, "Oh, like there's no deal, like like they doesn't explain anything. There's no details." But blah, blah, blah. like I'm just like like people complain about Dune not having all this fucking stupid backstory, right? Like, why do you need that? Watch the story that is happening before your eyes. Like, watch that. You don't need they a fucking flashback. Speeches. Yeah, they want the fucking speeches, like. It's so it's crap. so lazy. Like you're like, don't do well, that. It's, it's, it's so not, bad for you. I know you're saying lazy and it's stupid, etc. But audiences just don't you aren't used to that anymore. This one, like, and the thing is, yeah, like, we, it has trained us to be lazy. It has trained us to be lazy. I don't want to right. like, make us sound like assholes. Like, but like, studios are just like, we'll do everything for you. Just ease back, and it's like watching the second half of fucking um uh the the Pixar movie with the robot. Where everyone's like on the giant fucking ship and they're all super fat and getting fed and sliding around on the right. deck chairs. Like, like that's, that's what, that's what we've turned into from this sort of genericized hyper explained trash right. that, um, that we see. And it's like, you don't like, I, I, and we talked about it before, but like, I'm amazed when I see, and this is true on streaming, like these long fucking backstory monologues, like, what is this giving me? What is this for? There's like, there's a backstory monologue in Jaws, but you know what that's about? Right that moment. Like, Quint is saying, actually, I'm super fucking scared of sharks, and we're on a boat, and I'm going to die. Like, that's what he's actually saying in that. Like, he's not, like, we're not going like, if only I knew Quint's motivation and a really detailed backstory, then I would finally understand him. Like, I understand him fine. I just want to hear him say it out loud. That's what that speech is for. But then you get to a movie like Black Widow, talking about spiders. Like, and you have the dinner table scene in Black Widow where it goes one by one. Everyone gets their own fucking monologue. I was like, just give me a gun. Shoot me right through the appendix. Well, I was watching. <laughs> it was interesting because I was watching the beginning of the first episode of uh, One Piece. Mm -hmm. on, uh, I don't know if you guys... On Netflix, not right? That, no. So it's a famous anime uh, that they're doing a live action version. Now, I am going to agree partially that is that terrible live action animes are horrible, and somehow <laughs> this is better than horrible. Okay, that's good. However, I'm open to it. It suffers exactly from exactly what you just said. We're introduced into the story, and as we're introduced to each character, we cut to five years in the past backstory. Uh. Every single one. So it's like, here's a narrative character, and then where did this person come from? Let's over explain it. Like, let me see who they are from oh, what they do. They call that character building. <laughs> they do no. call that character building. <laughs> they do that because there's like, yes. oh, let's find yes. Yeah, dude. Like this is the thing. It's like I'm not it's not that I'm against I'm not against flashbacks, I'm not against narration, I'm not against monologues, I'm not against any of that stuff. You're against pandering to the audience. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Like you are doing any you any of those tools, you are not if you're using them only for what they immediately literally do, 
then you are failing. Right. Like if you're, if your narration is telling me what is happening, then take the narration out. (laughs) That's bad narration. If your flashback is telling me something that I already passively understood through context, take that part out. Right. If your, if your monologue is not revealing some contrary drama to what I already know to be true about that character, don't have it. Right. There you go. It's magical. <laughs> Efficiency. But yep. yes, that is what fucking kills me. And this movie, uh, and what's, where, what's worse is in Donnie Darko's director's cut, as Eric saw, they explain uh, everything even more. <laughs> like they have characters actually explain it. You're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> they took the one part that was kind of interesting and ruining it. Like taking all my responsibility of imagination away. Yes. Hideous. Hideous. All right. do it. All right, so we have concluded that Donnie Darko, while seen as a mass, was seen as a weird cultural thing, not necessarily the greatest movie. Yeah. I do not. It doesn't make me angry, no, as right, much yes. as it does. But I don't think I, it, if if you think it makes me angry, please people say it. But I just I think I just hear from people that it's so great. And then right. it's like, and it's, it's, that's, it's, that's not defensible. I agree. Right. right. And because like, I, the, like I, I, you know, I agree with what Eric's saying, but with like with you, Chris, I enjoyed this movie. The, the stuff it gets right. right and the, and the everything is correct. Eric is hundred really percent yeah. correct about 100%. everything he said, right. but I don't, it didn't necessarily upset me. Yeah. It's and still a very enjoyable that, movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, I also think that sometimes you see movies in certain times of your life hmm. and they upset you for like, you know, like for example, like, like Francis Hawes, like I had a, a reaction a to it. Mm-hmm. I agree it's a good film, but I had a reaction to it because it, it I just connects with flashed. you in a negative way. You're it like, connected, oh, I it connected there. me with Sex assholes. in the City for some reason. And I was like, <laughs> exactly. fuck, I hate Sex in the City. And <laughs> so, right. and so somehow it was like, oh, obnoxious. Or no, also along the yeah. Federal train, me and Barbie flashing back to Return of the Jedi. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which right. is unreasonable it's unreasonable it's unreasonable but, man, I was like, so, but i don't think yes, eric necessarily had had that he had very look like, important yeah. thing. But you're, anyway, you're much more together eric i appreciate but it. what this did do it did it did launch gillenhall's career yes. which ended up leading to movies like this now he also did movies like the day after tomorrow so let's yeah, also some money makers yeah along the way yeah. prince of persia some other snakes prince of persia yeah but yeah. no he is he is one of my Those favorite money makers there's a money makers that's okay everyone does that but uh, what did he, uh, he, uh, he's Kaluni call it? Two for them, one for me. Yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. Yeah, make a Batman forever, and then make your Michael Clayton's. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's how we do. But yeah, right. I, I I love Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I I, look, I every time I he has something out, I look for this guy, and it started uh, with Donnie Darko. Like he is a linchpin of that movie. He makes the movie work, and then he just like you see how good that guy is in Enemy, and you're just like, it's undeniable. Undeniable, right? I hope he gets to work with um, Villain of Again because they are they are magic together. Prisoners is a terrific, terrific mm. villain, absolutely yeah. terrific. Yeah. Well, in the interview I saw with him, and they seem to be close and and good right. friends, so yeah, uh, it seemed to work. That's that's good to know. That's good. They're they are they are really really something they got. All right. So uh, for those who are still listening on our stream. Uh, guess heads up next week we won't be recording because I will be uh, in Japan 
That's right. Fancy so that. uh, uh, I will be out next week. And then the following week, uh, we will record because we we need to catch up on things. So we will record another one. Um, and that's just to give you a little update on the schedule. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so that's, that's happening. Uh, I'm very excited about, uh, Japan. I'm going to THU Japan. There's going to be lots of fun things going on over there. Uh, and, uh, there's going to be a lot of, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be great. So, um, uh, besides that, uh, yeah, just make sure you, we're going to try to start our, our YouTube stream. Didn't quite work out today. I think I tried to throw too much at the screen and it just was not. We'll get there, but we're going to constantly evolve this this podcast. And if you guys have ideas, let us know. And the best way to find us to throw your ideas out there and to put, let us know is actually on our Discord, which is very active. So uh, our Discord, the easiest way to find us is just go to our YouTube and then look up any of the comments on the, our, our Discord link is in, in in the in there as well. So uh, yeah, so anyway, that's where we are. Uh, okay, are you guys ready to do this? Yeah, I'm glad we redid this episode. It's it's yeah, much more that was clear. That was super good. Yeah. Super well, good. hopefully it's it, the recording works. Oh God, yeah. I hope you press record. And, uh, I, did, and, I did hit record. I did uh, hit thank record. you for rewatching that, Eric. That was very nice of you. <laughs> thank you. All right, brutal. You guys brutal. ready? Yes, yes, let's do it. Drink, talk, drink. drink.